talking about batman forever before this started recording and that's where that came from my name is dan scully my name is garrett smith i appreciated that you went for bone man and not like bat bone or something like no, that. no 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 yeah. bone man forever hawk because i yeah. wanted it to because if i went like bat bone for it gets mouthy it doesn't have the same cadence as batman forever yes and you know it's just it's it was perfect you, you got to go with the flow you gotta go you, to wherever yeah the flow you is. sailed right in it was good oh yeah oh had a big burp so I just I, ate a, a fruit cup, and I want to pour some milk on it. I saw the audience couldn't see the ramp up to that, but I witnessed it happening. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> baby. Well, uh, we are halfway through 2021. Yeah, officially. We did it. We, we are officially yeah. halfway through 2021. We We're did. still kicking. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, which means we're doing our best of thus far. Yes, the thus far list. So at the halfway point, we'd like to count down our 10 favorite movies of the year thus far. And so we each have a list of 10. Um, You don't have to worry. We're not going to keep you for four and a half hours. There's only the two of us. And honestly, to say the truth, I I liked a lot of movies this year. Me too. But like, there has not been a lot at this point. Like, I know last year we only did five and then five new to me because there haven't been that many at this point. We're sort of still in the same thing. It was easier to do 10 because there have been more releases as the world begins to open up. But um, so, so yeah, there's like a lot of great stuff here, but it actually was not that hard for me to put together a list. Me neither. And I used it as an opportunity to a hopefully like highlight a lot of stuff that maybe people haven't sought out yet or should go seek out. You know what I mean? Um, Because there's, you know, I I think, you know, there's a smaller pool here, we'll say, you know? Yeah. Um, I would say that my my caveats for this list are just not even caveats, just the rules that I had was one, like, just always remember, there's no such thing as objectivity in this game. This is what I liked the most. So it's really just like what I enjoyed. And the, the only thing I guess I could call a caveat is because of the nature of things, I don't know when these movies came out. Yeah. Some of them might have been late 2020. Some of yeah. them might have been, you know, and so like there's things like like Minari got lost in the mix because I uh-huh. saw that this year, but it was like an awards contender early in the year because it came out last year. And I had the opportunity to see it last year, but I didn't. And I instead watched it this year. So it just like I, I cut that off the list. And honestly, what can I say about Minari that hasn't been said better by a hundred other people? Yeah. Um, but, but it's perfect. I'll give you that. You know, like things like that. Um, yeah, I so, mean, you know. same thing for me. And my only real big caveat is just at the last minute, I decided to pull the only short film I had here off of my list just to make room for another feature that I could, you know, just give some space to to highlight. Uh, and that short film, well, who knows? We already, we'll talk we already about talked it. about it. Yeah, we, we did, won't yeah. talk about it because I crossed it off my list because we have talked about it. The Sean yes. Baker. Yeah, the Sean Baker tight, short. FW21 short. Exactly, exactly. Um, yep. like the Fashion Week 2021 yep. short. Which that genuinely ass. is one of the best things I've seen this year. But I pulled it off my list last minute. So that was my only caveat, really. It made me seek out Paul Stanley music. <laughs> because the song that they use is... Um, of uh, his solo, like one of his solo. It's one of his songs? solo records. It's okay. a remixed version. Yeah. Um, it's it's New York something. New York 
my not New York State of mine. That's uh that's Alicia Keys. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not sure. I have it in like my all time favorite songs list, so I can pull it up. But it's a killer song. So I mean, credit to like I I'm not the biggest uh, Kiss fan. Right. I don't. Uh, you don't rock and roll. I don't all night? like. I mean, I party every day, but uh-huh. like you know, Thank I don't you. I don't rock and roll with it. But uh, I have a love gun, if you will. <laughs> but I've never been to Detroit Rock City. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I just I, I don't like Kiss enough that I would ever think to go down their solo right. uh, work. But this song was so killer that I went through some solo work, and I I like Paul Stanley. So yeah. New York Groove is the name of the song. Oh, New York Groove. Cool. And it's not Paul Stanley. It's Ace Freely. What am I talking? Oh, about? it's See, Ace. This okay, is how yeah. much I don't I don't yeah. give a shit about Kiss. I was Ace Freely. Paul Stanley is is Paul Stanley Kiss? I think so. I think you were still in the right band. Yeah, Peter Chris, Ace Freely. Paul Stanley. I'm pretty sure and, Paul Stanley is And kiss. some other fucking guy. Yeah, yeah. I know, Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons, yeah. Yeah, star of, uh, of Runaway, uh, right. directed by Michael Crichton. Right. Uh, man, oh, seen man. That. Oh, dude, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not like great, but it's classic. It's one right. of those ones of future tech that you watch it now, you're like, what are these, future tech for cavemen? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, so yeah, Paul Stanley is, is a kiss guy. Uh, right. But Ace Freely was who I was thinking of. Yeah, I think he was the guitarist, I think. I, think. I guess so. I mean, that song has like a pretty wicked little funky guitar riff, so I'm, I'm assuming I think he's it's the guitar. Guitar yeah. forward. Yeah. Let's see, we can find out. And I don't Ace know. Freely. The, the Starman? I don't know. What's what's the other one called? The Alien? The Devil Guy? Uh, I don't know. And actually, Ace Freely's real name is Paul. So, so oh, Paul shit. Daniel... Paul Daniel Ace Freely is an American musician and songwriter best known as the original lead guitarist and co-founding member of the go. rock band Kiss. He invented the persona of the Spaceman, a.k.a. The Spaceman. Space Ace. Space Ace, of course. <laughs> How did I get it wrong? Well, there uh, you go. Got it. All right, good. All right, anyway, movies. Yes. Uh, we left, we I, left that one off the list at the same time. That's right. Uh, okay, so <laughs> do you want to start? Do you want me to start? I assume we start tens, go to ones, per use, per use. Yeah, um, um, before we dive in, uh, just make sure you can find us everywhere. Oh, yeah. um, just look for I Like to Movie Movie on all uh, things. On Twitter, we are at Movie Movie Cast. And um, the new email address also corresponds with that update, moviemoviecast at gmail.com. Yeah. Shoot us an email, tell us what you want, and we'll give it to you unless it's money. Can't do that. Don't That's have right. it. That's right. Um, um, I, I can start. Okay, sure. Let's start, and then you can have the, the number one slot this time. All right. So this is a movie. I first saw the commercials for this movie when I when I was watching RuPaul's Drag Race, and every commercial, I rolled my eyes. I was like, what the fuck is this stupid fucking crap? Uh-huh. This looks like the most insulting, stupid garbage ever. Fuck this movie. Like, I, I was so fuck this movie to this movie within seconds of seeing any amount of footage. But lo and behold, it got a decent buzz, and that's why my number 10 entry is Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. I haven't seen is, this yet. Dude, it's goddamn hilarious. I hear it's so good. It's so bizarre. It's it's a hard sci-fi movie yeah, to a okay. degree. And okay. like, I thought it was going to be a movie where they're just a couple of these kind of ladies that are always talking to each other. Oh, yeah, Barb, Star, you like that kind of thing. Yeah. And they're not not that yes but nothing about the movie hinges upon them being that type of character okay it's just a fucking bonkers pop star hot rod-esque 
just throw everything at the wall, see what sticks. Here's a random musical number, just pure insanity. And it's the kind, it's the kind and like, it is funny when you go, I know a bar, I yeah, know yeah. a star. Right. But like, you know, like that, that's funny. But what's funny about it is that it is just completely, just completely off the wall, bonkers crazy. It's fucked up. It's dark. It's just so weird. But it was so funny. And going from fuck this movie within seconds of pressing play to just like tears streaming down my face, goofy laughter. That's some that's some filmmaking power. And uh, I don't have much to say, but I, Jamie Dornan's in it and he is hilarious in it. Um, he's the Fifty Shades of Grey guy. Okay, I was about to ask. I was like, I don't know if I know who that is. Yeah, be- better actor than than his popular roles would have you. Uh, okay, would have you expect? He's in a lot of things where you go, oh man, he's really good. He actually shows up on my list again a little bit later. But yeah, it, it's just it's just the strangest thing, and it was so funny, and I needed a good laugh the day that I watched it. And I, I frequently had to pause it because I knew I was going to miss jokes because I was like gagging over laughter. Uh-huh. It's really, really crazy. It's definitely like pop star hot rod style. Like every line contributes to a gag. And even though one out of every 10 gags doesn't work, it doesn't matter because before you recognize that it doesn't work, we've already done 15 more gags beyond it. Right. It's, it's just nuts. So yeah, it's directed by Josh Greenbaum. Um, who has nothing in his filmography that like stands out, and it's written by Kristen Wiig and Annie Momolo, aka right. Barb and Star. Um, well, flip and flop that, and yeah, it's just great. That's I awesome. loved it. I, I highly recommend Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. I mean, it sounds right up my alley. That is definitely, I, I really like those like super absurd, uh, heightened comedies. So, and it's not absurd to the point where because you know that I fucking hate when things get so absurd that they lose any semblance of like a, a, an anchor to reality, and then suddenly yeah. you're like, I it's if everybody's the clown, nobody's the clown, right? This is just, or it gets so weird where you're like, ah, you know what. Like, I love anti-comedy, but every once in a while you're like, okay, well, now we're just in not-comedy territory. <laughs> you know, like, we've gone beyond anti-comedy to just, this is just, you know, I love Tim and Eric, but, like, 30% of Tim and Eric, I get to the point where I'm like, I'm gone. I can't even, I can't grab this anymore. Yeah. And, and uh, Barb and Star, like, runs up to that line, but never crosses it. Highly Hell recommend. Yeah. Number right, 10, Barb me... and Star go to Vista Del Mar. I'm going to find that one, because I, I actually forgot about that movie, and I would like I to see I think you it. would like it. I think yeah. Tori would like it as well. It's it's really a blast. Um. All right, so uh, my number 10, this was, I really, like, wanted to make room for this movie. It was why I moved Sean Baker's movie off my list. I was, I just really wanted to make room for this. Um. I, I put uh, Jeff Ryan's Blood from Stone as my number 10 movie of uh, 2021. Nice. Um, that was one that I couldn't remember where that tied into years. Yeah. And I figured since we had him on the show, I was just going to move it off. But I gave this one great consideration as well. Yeah, I I, I really wanted to find room for it. I, I, you know, not just because we had Jeff on the show, which we did. If people want to look that up, we did a great interview with the guy that made this movie. Um, Jeff is a really nice dude. And uh, he made a really cool movie. I, I put this on the list because I, I, I saw this very early in the year. This is one of the first movies I saw this year. And I have not stopped thinking about it. I think about these characters like regularly. Uh, I think about the costume design and some of the lighting that he was able to capture. Some of that like really crazy um, uh, Las Vegas lighting that he's able to kind of like capture in a really interesting way. Like 
I just think about that stuff a lot. And uh, so, yeah, this one just like stuck with me throughout the year. And I, I think that people should see it. It's I, I you know, it, I to some extent, I think look might look from the outside like a very stereotypical just kind of vampire, you know, movie. And um, it's not that which is what's interesting about it. It, it has more going on there. And uh, I liked it a lot. This is one of the better scripts in a yeah. movie that I've that I've seen this year. Yeah, I would highly recommend this. I've thought about this one quite a bit. And I think to piggyback off of what you said at the end, if we're going to turn this into a recommendation, yeah. you know, this was a movie that didn't make it clear what kind of movie we were watching until we were balls deep in it. Yes. So like even going and being like, well, just it's another vampire movie. Nope. And yeah. then like after the first act, you're like, I know where this is going. Nope. Yeah. And it really goes to a lot of surprising and um like really thematically thought out and character forward places yeah. that uh, you wouldn't expect it to while also delivering on being like a fucking gnarly ass vampire movie. Yeah. And it's uh, like you said, it's like a, a, I think a rich story um, with great performances. Like I think about these, these characters and these performances quite a bit like that scene uh, where the main character uh, sits at the bar with his sister and they just kind of like talk about their, their history together. I think that's about like that scene my all favorite the time. scene of the year, I think. Yeah, it's great. I think about it all the time. Those performances are, are so good. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to give Jeff's movie a, a, a shout out. Blood from Stone. Uh, I think Blood this is still, Stone. you can like rent this on Amazon, I think. Uh, so, yeah, yeah rent it on Amazon. Um, yeah. It might even be on Shudder. I, I forget if it's still there or not. I know okay. it was on Shudder. But check it out and bounce back a couple episodes because we did interview Jeff. And he uh, proved to be just like a powerfully interesting dude. Yeah. and Very, actually, very thoughtful. In the way that he handles his material. Agreed. Uh, and it appears this is currently on Prime and Tubi. So you can watch it. You can watch it. Dude. Tubi has the best selection of any streamer. I love Tubi. I love it's it. unbelievable. Yeah. I'm going to use Tubi tonight. I'm planning on watching Silent Rage. Okay. What is it? Wait, what is that? Okay. So I, I know it's a Chuck Norris movie, but it yeah. wasn't until I was listening to the many Tarantino interviews this week that he said he fucking loved Silent Rage. Okay. Silent Rage is a Chuck Norris movie where a murderer gets killed, but like evil scientists bring him back from the dead. And now he's like a silent what? slasher villain. And it's up to Chuck Norris, the town cop, to stop him. Okay. That sounds awesome. Right? Yeah. Tarantino was like, it's Chuck Norris versus Michael Myers. And I was like, done, done. Yeah. I, I will, if I wasn't at work listening to this podcast, I would shut this down, quit my job, and I'd watch it right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. That sounds insane. That so sounds I gotta great. watch Silent Rage. And it's on, I think it's, it's either Tubi or Pluto. Yeah. And uh, so that's my plan as soon as we're done here is I'm Hell watching yeah. Silent Rage. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, give me your number nine. Okay. So my number nine is a movie that I... I saw someone tweet about Forever Go saying, like, you're not ready for this. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay, sold. And I ended up reviewing it for Movie John. It is Devereaux Milburn's uh, horror movie, Honeydew. Oh, okay. I have heard about this. Yeah, Honeydew's wild. Um, it, it's it's the kind of movie that that is, like, its goal is definitely to upset the viewer. Um, its goal is definitely to to make you feel grumbly in your tumbly, and it does. Uh, the obvious point of reference here is naturally Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Um, because it does, it is a rural horror, if you will, and uh, it does involve alternative appetites and meal oh, okay. selections. Okay. But it's the kind of movie that like sort of banks on you understanding that going into it. Okay. And it doesn't go anywhere that you would not suspect it to go. 
But when it goes there, it goes there harder than any movie that does. Whoa, okay. Yeah, it's it's real fucked up. And it's just, it's your standard thing. A couple that uh, they're studying a fungus that has killed a lot of plants in a certain area. And their car breaks down. They got a camp, blah, blah, blah. They end up at the house of a kindly old lady. Or is she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay, cool. It's the kind of movie that, like, you know something's up. It knows that you know something's up. But, like, at what point do you put the foot down and be like, I can't be polite anymore. I know that you're eating people or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but it's also the kind of movie that even though you know what's going on, there are certain developments that happen that cause you to look back on strange events that you knew were strange and kind of recontextualize them a little bit. And it's just like a very short, uh, lean, mean movie. Um, it has a very surprising silent cameo from from an actress that, that kind of threw me for a loop. Okay. And um, it's just, it's gruesome as fuck. And you know I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Highly recommend. It's got a great score. Um, this sounds good It's the to kind me. of one that I think about all the time. It, it's totally worth watching. I can see a lot of people watching it and just being like, ah, yeah, that yeah. ain't it. Yeah. But it was very much it for me. And it's it's just, it's a very upsetting movie. Well, something I've been thinking about a lot lately is just the idea of like, uh long-running franchises feeling like they need to like reinvent the wheel with like every outing or whatever and sometimes it turns out like no you just gotta like play the hits but like play them well you know like just do the thing and do it well and that's enough and so the to your point about like yeah it's it, it is what you think it is but it's just like it's doing that like harder than anybody's ever done it i am actually interested in that like i am into that like the well-executed Texas Chainsaw is still a well-executed Texas Chainsaw. Oh, yeah. You know? It is rural horror. It's your yeah. Texas Chainsaw. It's your wrong yeah. turn. It's all of those. It's a little more artful about okay, it. Okay, I like that. But um, not at the expense of doing some severely gruesome things and ratcheting up the tension to a point where you're like, I don't even know what the point of this is. <laughs> and, you know, I love that. So, yeah, yeah. Honeydew, highly recommend. And I swear, the runtime is, where is it? Yeah, it's it's an hour forty six, so it's like it's pretty nice. in and in and out pretty quick. pretty nice. So pretty yeah, nice. highly recommend and shout out to Devereaux Milburn um, because that's a filmmaker that I will be uh, seeking out in all of his future work. Nice, yeah. Uh, so my number nine uh, is a movie that I kind of feel like didn't get as much love as maybe it should have and and maybe for good reasons but i liked this movie a lot and it's another one i saw early in the year and just haven't stopped thinking about i really liked shadow in the cloud uh directed by roseanne liang uh this is that movie that stars chloe grace moritz uh where she is up in a i think a world war ii uh plane and they get gremlins uh up in the plane (laughs) Why have I never heard of this? Oh, okay. So this is this okay. It's called Salt. It's called Shadow in the Cloud. She plays a woman that gets on a plane uh, during a World War II battle, basically, and uh, you know needs to get across some territory. I forget. Um, so that's why she's like on this plane. Uh, but the movie is so it's directed by this woman, Roseanne Liang. Essentially, my understanding is she completely rewrote the script. The reason you may not have heard about this movie is... I know what you're going to say. I just looked it up. Yeah. This is the Max Landis scripted movie that basically got like... His name is on it through like a series of uh, WGA arbitrations is my understanding. Um, Which, you know... Yeah. Like, I don't know anything about that. So that just, you know, that sucks and is what it is. My understanding is Roseanne Liang, you know, is kind of claiming ownership of this movie. Oh, good. 
I think I mean, that he's not an awful writer, but he's like a fuck. So, you know, yep. I will. I think he is a guy that is a good idea, man, not a great writer. And this movie is full of good ideas and is That's an actual honest to God, good script. So I can see, I think Roseanne Liang's fingerprints on it, you know? And uh, so anyway, I just like this movie. The, the, Dan, the thing about this movie that I think you would really appreciate is that it is a swing for the fences, pulpy B movie on a B movie budget. But they're tr- but they're trying to sell it as if it's like a hundred million dollar blockbuster. That's what they want you to think you're watching going into it, and they admirably give you a one hundred million dollar blockbuster on ten dollars. And you can Incredible. tell that they made it for ten dollars. There are scenes where you're going to be like, "Boy, this doesn't look great." You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, they yeah. are they are stretching every dollar they have to give you big spectacle in just a pulpy B movie that just has a B movie budget. That was my thing about this movie. I fucking where this movie eventually like builds to and goes. I was like, I think this is killer. And it's like, it, it is literally like a chamber piece for like an hour. It's like an it's 80 minute, 83 minutes. According yeah, to the IMDb, it's like an 80 minute movie. And for 60 minutes, you are like locked in a cockpit with Chloe Grace Moritz. And she is so fucking good that that works it's like it's very entertaining it's really fun i liked this movie a lot i, yeah, I don't I think it got the credit it. it deserves yeah yeah i like and, the lore of gremlins yes um because the original idea of gremlins was uh anytime that there was like mechanical trouble in planes in world war ii they'd be like hey you got gremlins in the machine yeah and it was like the the sentient version of like hey you got some schmutz on your face you yeah. know like where it's just like a point like oh you got gremlins and it's you know the sock monster stole my socks you know yeah um and so to to make that whole in the way it was originally created, not as we understand gremlins to be, you know, post yes. Dante, which yeah, yeah. also incredible. Um, that's awesome. It, I, I, I can't believe I've never heard of this. I, I dug it, man. I mean, I, I know I'm actually a little bit alone on, on digging it as much as I did. So I don't want to oversell it necessarily, but I, I think, I think I can pretty heartily recommend this to you and you will probably dig what I dug about it. You know what I mean? I think I can find something to appreciate about it. Yeah. Uh, even if it doesn't scratch my fancy as much. I mean, I'm, I'm in love with it on the concept already. Yeah. I, and I, I like Chloe Grace Moretz a lot. I think too, she's man. actually like pretty exceptional. And I think she's really good in this. It gives her a ton to do again. It's like very much like her movie. It's like, you know, she's kind of like almost alone throughout a lot of the movie. Um, and yeah, I just, I thought it was a ton of fun, really good, just pulpy shit. I, I, I dug this movie a lot. Shadow in the cloud. I think people nice. should check it out. It's on Hulu right now. Um, so people can check it out. Yeah, I totally am going to. Oh, incredible. And it's short. I'm going to even watch that again tonight. Hell yeah, dude. It's a fun time. After man. Silent Rage. Yes, got to get that uh, Silent Rage in, baby. What am I on, eight? You're on eight. All right, I said Jamie Dornan would be back. Um, I loved Synchronic. Oh, I haven't seen this yet either. This is going to be fun. I, th- I feel like we're going to have 20 movies between the two of well, us. Well, this one, it's technically a 2019 movie. I, I have a few of those here. But I don't like I didn't. Yep. It, it became available to me this year. It yep. seemed to have its release this year. So I think it was like the kind of thing that was, you know, I'm being with you. On. Weirdest year for movie releases ever. That's just yeah, how it very is. weird. Yep. This is a Benson, Benson and Moorhead joint. Um, yeah, yeah. It is. It's it's uh, Anthony Mackie and Jamie Dornan. And it takes place in New Orleans, which is always fun. Uh, if you've if you've been to New Orleans, that's like a fun location to recognize. And so it's about a designer drug that opens up a portal in time. Awesome. Yeah. And so 
I don't want to say too much because it actually uses that device to some really cool plot ends. Yeah. It also uses that device to some really cool like thematic ends. Um, but it's also like a cop procedural murder thriller kind of thing. Right. Yeah. The like uh, I feel like I remember the trailers almost feeling like I'm watching like an, uh, a pilot for like a new season of SVU or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of has that vibe and they have a great little uh you know, they're, they're a great duo together. Yeah. Um, did you see the Jim Mickle movie in the shadow of the moon, the Philly um, shot one or no, but I, I know what you're referring to, but, but, okay. but I did not see that movie. This reminded me of that. Um, okay. Cause it's, you know, it's the same it's sort like of tone. Sci-fi leaning. Timey, wimey shit. Yeah, yeah. 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 Shadow of the moon's real good too. I mean, Jim Mickle, anything he makes, you can take as a blanket recommendation for me to do, <laughs> do character based horror and thrillers really well. Um, I know there's not much to say about it because like I went through a period this year where I like revisited the Benson and Moorhead that I that I uh, had seen and went out and sought out the ones that I hadn't like Resolution yeah. which holy shit yeah I never Resolution saw that. Resolution is great and then the way that it ties to the Endless is really really cleverly done where they don't need one another but together it works really wonderfully like I- seeing the Endless next to Andy who had seen Resolution and got to have that moment of oh shit they're connected yeah. it was really fun to see but it's not a spoiler to know because they exist yes yes separately but this isn't necessarily in the same world but it's in that same sort of fun sci-fi uh sandbox that they that they tend to do and it's a great showcase for both anthony mackie and jamie dornan it's hell yeah and in a, in a way it's it's like the first like major budget that benson and moorhead have worked with right and they are so good at maximizing no budget yeah, and yeah. they're so good at using imagination both on the page and on the screen to gloss past the fact that it's just two friends making movies because they like to do it. Mm-hmm. And so not only is this just like a solid movie uh, on its own, but it's like it, it's a bookmark in what's going to be an increasingly exciting career right. from two filmmakers that are quite literally just two buddies that no one enough about editing to to get it done yeah, yeah. and uh you know so to see them have a budget to see them working with you know a legitimate superstar like anthony mackie and just really knocking it out of the park and not selling out their weird sci-fi vision like this doesn't right. go any mainstream angle for lack of a better term it is very much of their brand but it looks pretty and it has a final moment that like ooh, it's it's a chiller but it also like gets you pumped and you know i i it just left me buzzing. It's a really great movie. It's on Netflix right now. So you can oh, totally awesome. watch it and you should totally watch it. Okay. Synchronic. I probably will. I actually, lately I've been like trying to scratch a sci-fi itch. So uh, uh, maybe I'll do that with that. I think you would like it. It's yeah. uh, it's cool. And and even if you end up not loving the movie, it's one where like, like you can tell the people on screen had a blast making it. Sure, yeah. And that's infectious as hell. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah, like synchronic. Highly recommend. Uh, so my number eight. That's what I'm doing, right? Uh, my number eight is uh Simon Barrett's Seance. I don't know if you oh, have a, had a chance. I've not this had yet. a chance to okay. see that yet. Uh, Seance, I thought was really fun. So I mean, I'm a big Simon Barrett fan because I'm a big Adam Wingard fan. Uh, Simon Barrett wrote The Guest, which is I'm sure everybody listening knows is one of my favorite movies of uh, recent. You wrote years. Your Next, which is probably my favorite slasher, uh, yeah. you know, at least modern times. 
Certainly yeah, yeah. my favorite home invasion movie ever. Right. Yes. Yeah. True. And uh, yeah, I believe he uh, also wrote this movie, right? Let me make sure I have that I right. So. I, I think he did. And, I can't uh, imagine his career as a writer would, would lead to right. him not writing his directorial debut. He did. He wrote and directed this. And uh, this is like a really interesting looking movie. Uh, it was shot with these big wide lenses that uh, you and I were in a big text thread about yesterday, but it was shot with these like big oh, yeah. wide lenses. Um, because he's got this big cast of the movie takes place in like an all girls school. Uh, and so it's got this like big cast of characters that uh, much like Arrested Development was famous for are kind of constantly in the frame together. So it's like shot with this, these like huge lenses so that like everybody can kind of like always be in the frame performing together, but it looks really nice. It's really craftily kind of like directed and edited. He like proves himself, I think to be like, especially as like a directorial debut, this is the kind of feature where you're like, yeah, you definitely have been like on a lot of movie sets through your writing career. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. um, it is like, it, it, it's def- for a f- debut feature. It's like really well directed. Nice. Um, oh, I'm glad to see you can make the jump. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it just is, you know, I, I would say it is probably exactly what you expect from like the directorial debut uh, of Simon Barrett. I don't know how to s- say that otherwise. I know, I know what you like, mean. Yeah, but as say that, like a fellow super fan, I yeah. feel like that's all I need to know. Exactly, exactly. It it's it is a fun, twisty, turny, not what you expect when you go into an all girls school haunted seance movie, right? Like that's the the. They're... I mean, honestly, it doesn't even have to be a Simon Barrett movie for that concept to sell me. Yeah, yeah, uh, and he has tons of fun with it. it. I really enjoyed this movie. The I would say especially the finale of this movie is great. It, uh, it it takes a little while to build there. And then once it does, it really has a good time kind of wrapping its threads and, and doing some like fun, interesting things. It's one nice. of the most fun finales of the year. I, I think I had like a blast with it. I think that's what I like about his his movies and, and like Wingard's style overall, like when they're together, is like there really is a sense of fun. Like, yeah, the guest gets dark, but you can tell that like a lot of choices they made because they're like, well, we love when movies do this. Yes. So we're going to do, you know, like your next is. Anytime I write any sort of script, that's what I'm chasing. And it's yeah. because every minute of that movie is so much fun. It's just so <laughs> interesting. And even though it's fucked up and dark and there's some horrible things happening, it's a party through yeah. and through. And yeah, and yeah he's, he's very good on that kind of thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely recommend Seance. Uh, it looks like you can rent it on Amazon right now. Um, okay. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, Suki Waterhouse stars in it. And I hadn't really seen her, I don't think, in anything before. And she's great in it. Where do I know um, her from? I know that name. Uh, let me click on her name here and tell you what you know her from. Oh, right. She's in Detective Pikachu, so I have seen her in something. Uh, but she's also in Assassination uh, Nation. She's in The Bad Batch, uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Uh, yeah, she's actually uh, got quite a little career going here as far as like Detective know. Pikachu is what it was. Surgeons, but yeah, definitely Detective Pikachu. Uh, nice. Yeah, she's, she's really good in this. Uh, and her and Ella Ray Smith have like some really great chemistry in the movie. Um, okay, I'm looking at her picture. I recognize her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, I'm into that. I'm definitely gonna have to look that up. Please do. What's your uh, What's your number seven, my man? Speaking of crazy lens choices, last night I watched <laughs> okay. the uh, the new Steven Soderbergh movie, No Sudden Move. Yeah. And when I came out of it, I was like, that was a good solid movie uh, maybe i wanted a little more yeah and then i thought about it and then i thought about it 
And then I thought about it and I kept thinking about it. And every, I, I couldn't get it out of my head, every little thing about it. And, and it occurred to me how delicious of a meal this movie was after the fact. Yeah. And how true it was to the movies it was trying to be a riff on. Yeah. Um, this was a, I want to say modern noir, even though it takes place in 1954, I believe it starts. Yeah, 54, I think. Um, yeah, No Sudden Move is one of those in classic noir fashion where it becomes pretty clear early on that everybody's out for themselves and a lot of plot revelations are meant to be convoluted to the point where you don't follow and you just have to see how it all teases out in the end yeah um, so where i was frustrated with it at the you know at the beginning going all right i i i, I think it's lost me by the end and then in in uh you know look reflection you know reflecting back on it i was like wait a minute that's how i felt why Watching like the Maltese Falcon. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt watching uh, you know, Sweet Smell of Success. That's mm-hmm. how I felt watching these things. And I just, I love what's, whatever Steven Soderbergh, whatever trip he's on, man, I was always ready to grab on yeah. the tail and get on board with it. This is one of Don Cheadle's best performances. He is um, really good in this. David Harbour's sort of doing, Fucking uh, love I guess I want to say like a Cohen's character. Yeah. I think the runaway performance for me was Amy Simons, though, as Dude. his chain smoking, stressed out wife. Totally. Oh, oh my God. So yeah. killer, but like a really interesting performance despite being what could have been a side character. So it's just like a really good showcase for all of these actors. I think the filmmaking in it is great. We can get into the lens. I think it, <laughs> yeah. it looks beautiful. It makes Detroit look absolutely incredible. And then the fact that it sent me on a wiki hole of studying what was actually going on in the automobile industry at the time involving yeah, yeah. Uh, regulations for pollution and catalytic yeah. converters and things yeah. like, like that. And um, yeah, it went from a movie that I really liked when I watched it, but didn't like as much as I'd hoped to a movie that I loved more than I thought I did. Yeah. Just because since it ended last night, I have not stopped investigating it. Yeah. Uh, the score is amazing. I think that Ed Solomon's script is equal parts uh, compelling and hilarious. Like, there's so many funny moments in it. It's got a lot and, of good comedy um, in it. Yeah, a lot of good comedy in it. And I know that the choice to use the CinemaScope style lens um, is off-putting for some, especially because this was not necessarily shot in CinemaScope and it was shot for home viewing. So it's not on a giant curved screen where CinemaScope tends to be. But if you watch a lot of old movies, they do have that fisheye. It feels more aggressive here because we're working in a digital era. I believe this is shot digitally. I could be wrong. I think it's also, by the way, more aggressive generally. Like I don't think I've ever seen a lens this wide used on something before. It's definitely not the CinemaScope lens, and it's yeah. definitely more aggressive. And so the, the point that I'm reaching to is that yeah. I think it's meant to be a reference to CinemaScope, yeah. but I think that it's also meant to go a little bit further because in every scene, whenever somebody is in the center, it feels like they're disoriented, despite yeah, yeah. the fact that every character, true, except for David Harbour, truly believes that they're in control of their own story. Yeah, And the reality is that very few of them are. And you'll yeah. notice throughout the movie that that lens dissolves depending on where the character is in that thing. So whereas yeah. I get why it's distracting, especially in wide shots when it, it literally warps what's going on. It, it was just something that I really started to jibe with after a while. Yeah. And it ended up being a choice that I really liked. Um, 
I get why it's distracting for I people. Because even when it started, I was like, what the fuck? But Dude. by the end, it, it like really worked for me. When they're in a breakfast nook and then like it's a tight shot of four people and it's a static shot in a breakfast nook and then four of the faces are warped into crescent moons because of the lens, I was yeah. like, what the fuck are we doing? This looks ridiculous. It's a pretty aggressive lens. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I get why it wouldn't work for people, but it, yeah. it definitely worked for me. And just by sheer virtue that this movie gave me so much to think about over the last 24 hours, I, I couldn't not put it on the list. And it's another one too, where once again, Steven Soderbergh, whether he's editing or whether he hires an editor, his movies are edited so wonderfully. Oh yeah. And this is no exception. No, that's true. I, my big thing about this movie was more just that like, I actually was never lost through this. Like I didn't have that experience with it. I was like keeping up with it. I just like, wasn't that it never like, did much for me i was like having a yep. good i was having an okay time i was never having like a great time and i i actually think this movie more just suffered from me having like i was very excited about this movie and frankly actually one of the things i was most excited about was brandon fraser's return to movies only for oh, him to yeah. have like the most bit part in the movie and he was great yeah he was good though yeah he was very good he but looks like my uncle man i for some reason expected this movie to legitimately star him. And when it turned out he was like, not what the movie was about. I, I just think that I had expectations about this movie that it didn't meet. And that's on me, not the movie, you know, yeah, um, I would agree in that what I expected of this and what I think it purported to be, at least in the, the ad campaign is not what it was. Yeah. But that's also one of those things that typically with time I grow to respect yeah. afterwards. Yeah. And so this, you know, sort of did that, but yeah, I hear you. I'm looking forward to re revisiting it eventually because I didn't like hate it. I just was like, it never yeah. really like it didn't do much for me. Actually, when it finally popped was in the scene with the big like we shouldn't even talk about it. But the scene with the big uh, actor that uh, yeah. is not advertised. Um, the of course, the of course, this person's in this. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that actually ended up being the the scene of the like that was the scene that I thought like actually finally elevated into like a, a, like I was finally like sitting up in my chair like, oh, OK, yeah. here we go. You know. That was the scene where it started to click to me like, oh, they really are leaning into actual recreation of an old noir. Because right. in all those old noirs, there's always a introduce a heavy, have yep. him explain everything. Yeah. And then we can move on with the movie. And like, that's what yep. that was without feeling that way. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, and I, I liked uh, Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro together. Are really they were good together. Totally. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those... Uh, yeah, I, I, every criticism I've seen of it has been valid, yeah. and I share some of them, but yeah. for sheer entertainment value, this has given me so much in the past day, I just have not stopped thinking about it. And I, score, I, oh I goodness I will gracious. say, I had the thought while watching it that, like, there's not really that many movies left anymore that legitimately have what you would call star-studded casts. Yeah. It's weird to think about how that's actually like kind of a rarity in movies now that like even big movies tend to be carried by like one star and then mm -hmm. like a, and then a lot of, you know, no, not a, the rest of the cast is not of their caliber, let's say, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, where this is a just, you know, top to bottom star studded movie. Oh, and it's uh, totally stacked. Yeah, that in and of itself, I thought was like pretty fun and entertaining and, and you know, made it like worth watching. I think what I what really resonated with me about it the most is that this harkens back to the type of movie we lament no longer exists. Yeah, it yeah. is neither a small indie movie. Now, granted, you know, you, you got to take what I'm saying with the grain of salt in that Soderbergh can take a tin can and make a movie out of it. He's yeah, just always yeah. coming up with something. But like this has the feel of the middle budget thriller yeah. 
that has a good cast and isn't trying to be a tentpole, yep. but also isn't like grasping for budget. Yeah, it's just like a nice, clean adult thriller for grown-ups that yep. is meant to just do middle business. Yep. Um, you know, like I said, with the caveat that that's not the model anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. the type of movie that that I feel like, yeah, it's it's you just don't really see movies quite with the intentions that this one had in terms of of returns or however you yeah. want to frame that. And uh, I don't know, I just really appreciated that. I was like, oh, you know what? I miss like a just like a good solid little night of the movies that is not neither an event nor a curiosity. It, it's definitely a movie that I can't be like, I have no argument for like, it should not be on this. Not that I would ever do that anyway, but like, it should, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, it's not like it's a terrible movie or anything, you know? Um, I, yeah. I, I just like, I didn't totally go for it. You know what I mean? It, like, yeah. it didn't quite, oh, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, um, for like the first three quarters of watching it, that's where I was. <laughs> yeah. You know, but then by the end, when it ended, I was like, I'm going to watch this again. This <laughs> yeah, is yeah, the yeah. kind of thing I'm going to watch again. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really loved uh david harbour the uh uh the, i this is a punch i yes. i am going to hit you now yeah that's what this is because guy's like i'm going i'm going to do it this is what this is this is a punch the idea <laughs> of him like falling apart as he is just forced to do a bunch of stuff that he does not want to do yeah. but is kind of backed it but and is only backed into that corner actually by himself really yeah. you know and his own choices and decisions it's it, very entertaining very funny yeah, he's great, man. I, I yeah. like that guy a lot. Me Watching too. this movie, he reminds me of Philly comedian Chris Wood. Sure, They're yes. very funny in a similar way, and they kind of look similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I had that thought. I was like, it reminds me of Chris Wood a little bit. I like that. Um, well, so what was that? Your yeah. number no seven? sudden move was number seven. Number seven. Uh, my number seven is Travis Stevens' Jacob's Wife. Uh, have you seen Jacob's Wife yet? Uh, so this stars Barbara Crampton. No, I've not. And I confused uh, that with anything for Jacob, which I have seen. It was also good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the one with Barbara Crampton and uh, Larry Fessenden. Uh, nice co-stars in it with her. Uh, and so this is about Larry Fessenden plays a preacher, and Barbara Crampton plays his wife, plays the preacher's wife. Um, and uh, she is definitely she's been married to him for a long time. And, uh, you know, is maybe feeling like she might need to, I don't know, so, something's not right. She may need to shake things up. Not not really sure, but something, she's not feeling as happy as she once was, maybe. And uh, then a vampire rolls through town and turns her into one. Well, that's and cool. So she gets the change she was looking for. But she does love her husband, and she'd really like for him to be on board and along for the right. It's a very entertaining movie that keeps kind of like barreling debt. You keep thinking like you keep settling into like, oh, I see what this is doing. And then it just kind of goes like, no, we're going to go a little further than that. And then you're like, oh, OK. Oh, OK. Now I know what we're doing. No, we're going to go a little further than that. Like it just kind of kept escalating in ways that I thought were really entertaining. Like every time I thought the movie was going to kind of run out of steam because it's mm -hmm. it's kind of cutesy funny, I would say. I mean, it's like it, it is played as like a horror movie. But it's like, you know, it's got a sense of humor about it that's a little bit cutesy. And so it kept feeling like this isn't going to have anywhere to go. And it just kept having places to go. And that was how it ended up on my list where I was like, this just kept getting like more fun than I thought it could be. You know, not to mention yeah, yeah. that it is a starring vehicle for both Barbara Crampton and Larry Fessenden. And it feels like the movie that they both have kind of been waiting for at this stage in their careers where like, everybody wants to work with them and keeps giving them roles and parts. But like, I've enjoyed a lot of them, 
but I haven't like seen the one where it's like, oh, they're really getting to do the thing that they do and do it well. You know, I haven't seen the one that really highlights them really well. Yeah, it's this yeah. movie. It's this movie. They're both really okay. good in this movie. I, I liked this quite a bit. Um, I, I think it was on Shutter, like maybe when it first came out. It doesn't look like it currently is, but but look for this movie. It's 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 real good. Um, this this is uh, Travis Stevens. He's the guy, and I didn't see this movie, but I know people liked it. Um, what was it called? The yeah, the girl on the third floor. Oh, okay, I haven't seen that, but I heard that was good. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's that director. I, I I just liked this movie quite a bit, and it's funny. It's it's got a really good sense of humor about itself. Um, totally recommend. And I know you like Fessenden a lot, so I, I thought it was another one yeah. that I could like pretty easily recommend to you. Right, I just got a strange text. That's all right. Um, we can like. Oh, wow. a- no, huh? no, it was just one of one of my buddies texted me. He's like, "I'm going to raise happy birthday bar," and then he texted me a photo of the front of my apartment because oh. he's he's passing by my street I hilarious see. that would have creeped me out well it's like the, ever seen the movie cash no the he the um i know what you mean uh what's his name who did funny games haneke kind of michael haneke yeah yeah that's a good movie man that'll fuck your shit up but it's like a very smart movie about class okay yeah i, I would like to see stuff. that movie I'm, I'm adding jacob's wife to my uh thing here yeah, J A K O B. Yes, Jacob. yes. As in Jacob the Liar. Um, yeah. It's the Rob Williams movie. Would you Would you be a vampire if given the opportunity? I've given it serious consideration, and I might. I know. I was about to say, like, I kind of think I would. I, I, yeah. I am both. I, I am afraid enough of death, and also don't think I would get bored either. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I both. And I'm sort of at the age like yeah. now's the time. Yes, yeah. You know, like, I think 40 is the threshold where you go, nah, you know what, I'm going to stick with mortality. Yep. But, like, I'm 36 right now. Yep. I'm not getting any better better looking. Yep. So, well, I think I, this is the way to go. I already burn in the sun. So yeah. that's not a, a new thing for me at all. I typically I, am a night, a night person. I mean, at 35, I already have, like, a knee that hurts me when I walk upstairs sometimes. Oh, yeah. And so even if I got turned into a vampire today... It means for all of eternity, I have a knee that just fucking does that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah, no, it needs to happen now. You know, well, get get yourself like do six months of like a strong squatting regimen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had the same issue with my knees and squats yeah. have, have changed okay. how, how I live. And then we'll start reaching out, putting okay. fingers yeah. out on the yeah. world and see what we can find Sounds because good. I'm, I'm into it. Yeah. I already burn. I, I'm with you. Um, I have bad portion control problems. And if you just tell me I can't actually have food anymore right. because it'll make it, that's a, that's a solution. Done. Yep, yep, yep. Um, you know, and like, I, I, I get sad when, when people die and go away, but I can, I can, I can mentally get through that, yep. but I don't want to do it myself. That yeah, yeah. seems like a little bit of a wash. So to me, it's all a win. Um, and if the only trade-off is I, I have to watch those I love age and die repeatedly right. um, uh, and burn in the sun, like I already have facsimiles of that in my life anyway. So like if it comes with having super strength and, and you know, I, I think I've talked myself into it. I would like to be a vampire. So if there are any listeners that can help with this, let me know. Yeah, that like this probably says a lot about my own psychology, but like every time a movie is about like the tragedy of, of the vampire, like the, the tragedy of living forever and seeing your loved ones die around you and stuff. I am always a little bit like that is tragic, but I could definitely deal with that. Like yeah. that's, I could definitely put up with that. Like that's, that's something I could handle. I could fuck with it. Yeah. Yeah. 
the hardest part for me would just be like, oh, you can't really have cheese anymore because you'll get <laughs> ill. I'd be like, right. all right, well, that's that's a tough one. Oh, you just but, you, you you might you just be the uh, vampire that invents a way to pasteurize blood and turn it into uh, yeah, you know blood true. cheese. I mean, that was like before True Blood got off the rails and every character was a magical being. Right. The um, which I don't know if you watched that show. It does go to that direction, but originally it was just that somebody patented a a blood called true blood yep. that is a blood replacement that it's like vampires synthetic, can, right? yeah synthetic yeah. that vampires can survive on thus a world without vampires becomes one that we find out is filled with vampires and right. they're all quote coming out of the closet uh with their vampireness now that right. it doesn't require murder right uh it, it's a very interesting thing that they fucked with and then like abandoned but yeah. like in a true blood world i could do it i mean that said i don't know there's probably a lot of people i'd be like i could drink that bastard <laughs> yeah so who knows who um knows? hit me with your number six my number six was one of the first movies that I saw in a theater this year. And it was a movie that I was ready to just be like middle of the road about like middle of the road to positive because Guy Ritchie tends to make oh. pretty solid movies. Yeah. You, I, I know you're like a generally a pretty big fan of his, right? Yeah. Some of his movies sucked. His live action Aladdin was absolute <laughs> dog shit. It, it was so bad. That literally when I walked to the theater to see Aladdin, Jenna was with me, we passed by two homeless people in the process of having sex and being arrested and in front of the police station. And the cops were pulling them apart, but they kept like evading arrest and then reinserting. And it was it was fucking crazy. And Aladdin was so bad that I had forgotten that happened on our walk to the theater because like the next day everyone was like, oh, what'd you do yesterday? I'd be like, what I do? I saw this fucking dog shit Aladdin. That's what I did. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the, the actual craziest thing I've ever seen in my life has faded from memory. That's very so funny. Guy Ritchie's not perfect. I yeah. like his King Arthur, but when he's doing what Guy Ritchie does, yeah. his stocks, his snatches, there's no one better. And Wrath of Man kicks so much ass it's a oh. statham right that's the statham, jason statham one? yeah okay yeah jason statham takes a job with an armored car company um holt holt mccallany 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 the guy yeah, from he, Mindhunter. yeah 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 uh, he's like the guy who works with him on the job josh hartnett's in it okay um and so he takes a job as a guy who works as an armored car armored car security and nobody knows anything about him or why he's so goddamn good at what he does. Uh -huh. Why, whenever somebody tries to rob an armored car, he doesn't follow protocol. He kills them with abandon, like a badass. Oh, it's so insane. But the movie slowly, by jumping back and forth through time, fills in who Jason Statham is, why he's there, how he got there, and also provides details of a huge heist being planned specifically at this armored car depot on black friday when it'll have the most money so all of these forces converge so it ends up being like uh like a and it's it's in la but like there's also a backstory in europe so okay. it's got the the british british mobster movie yeah. uh, that uh but it's also like a like a den of thieves style heist movie yeah yeah but it's also like a taken style you know, you killed my partner. Now I want revenge movie like that okay. kind of thing. It's all of that together. And it's done so well. All the characters are assholes. So there's like nobody good in it. Yeah. And it, man, it just kicks so much ass. The editing is on point. The action is so good. 
just the way that it's plotted out, it's just bop, 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 nonstop. I, I, I loved everything about it. It's just like a clean killer thriller. It was the mix to me of like Inside Man, Den of Thieves, Lockstock, Taken, but but infinitely more fun than any of those. It doesn't have that like turgid uh, exterior that a lot of those have. Okay. Lots and lots of fun. Um, but not like lighthearted or anything. It's it's pretty dark and it's it's right. pretty grimy and hardcore. But that was just one of those movies that I came out of and I was like, I, I gotta fucking do some push-ups. What <laughs> like I, I was so amped up and ready to go. I was walking home like praying someone would mug me because in my head I was just gonna rip their head off with my fists, even though really what would happen is I would be killed by a mugger. But uh I, I was just I was feeling it, man. This is the kind of movie that and being one of the first like theatrical experiences I had when things opened up this year, it was large and in charge and in my face and just was just such a great night at the movies. Wrath uh, of Man rocks, man. I mean, I actually, the, the concept sounds pretty cool to me and I do really cool. like Jason Statham. It sounds like this movie I, that I watched earlier this year, uh, this Australian movie called Money Movers. That's like, uh, that, that movie is about an armored car place that a big heist okay. gets planned at. Uh, literally the depot is where the heist is going to to happen so it sounds like maybe he might have you know based it on that that's really interesting it is a remake of a french movie that i believe is just called cash truck okay but that's not to say that both of these were not in because it's actually a relatively recent movie it's not like an old movie that's based on yeah so that's not to say that it's it's not uh derivative of that i'm sure it is yeah i just i like the idea that that movie is like influential on like a modern uh action movie you know what i mean but that's that's yeah oh yeah Um, it it has to be and i think too like in a world where like we were promised the rock as the next big action star and even though he does do action movies he just does safe shit you know i think statham is more consistent as far as just making like uh, not great movies but like consistently pretty good decent actioners you know what i mean and they're they're harder yeah, i feel yeah. like that's like because like yeah you got your rocks and vin diesels and they they make action movies that i genuinely like um it's so funny i like the rock better than vin diesel but i like vin diesel's movies better just because they tend to be the fast movies okay. but um yes yeah, statham is the only one who seems to scratch the itch for me of the promise made by like the 1980s actioners Okay, yeah, and, right. You know, and even though he's not really of that ilk, I mean, he is an expendable, but uh, it, it's just like his movies seem less interested in broad appeal. And therefore, when they work, they work in a way that broadly appealing movies don't always manage to do for me, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And so this is a movie that really lets Jason Statham be the foul mouthed piece of shit badass that he was designed to be. And it does it well. It's and you know it's like his reunion with uh, Guy Ritchie, who kind of launched him with Lockstock. Right, right, so right. So it, it's uh, yeah, it's I, I think you would enjoy it. It's it's pretty aggro though. Like I, yeah, I don't yeah. know if like Tori would enjoy it. Right, it's right. pretty aggro. It's very much like a man movie. Yeah, but um, I don't mean that in a dismissive way. No, I understand. Because what you're it, it's actually like a really solid and well thought out and written movie. It's just yeah. a matter of I, I think some tastes might find it a little abrasive. Yeah, yeah. But also, too, for Guy Ritchie, like, he's doing what he does, but it doesn't have that crazy, hyper-present Guy Ritchie that was in, like, Snatch and stuff. I know what you But mean. it speaks to that flavor. Like, the edges are soft, but he's still a machine for this kind of thing. Okay. I, lo- I loved this movie. Like, loved it. It kind of even reminded me of, like, uh, Pella 123 a little bit in that it has, like, a big 
guys at work procedural element. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I'm into that. Very worth checking. Yeah, out. maybe I will check this out. You still I think you should. Yeah, it's cool. Um, all right. Uh, my number six. So, are you familiar with the actress Bria Grant? Yeah. You know her by name. She was in that movie, The Stylist, this year. Um, yeah, yeah, and, I haven't seen that yet. Uh, that was that was pretty cool. Um, I guess she's in Halloween Two as well, a ghost story beyond the gates. Like she's in a bunch of stuff. Um, she directed a movie called Twelve Hour Shift. Have okay. you heard of Twelve Hour Shift? I have not. So this stars Angela Bettis, uh, David Arquette, Mick Foley, um, and it is a movie about, and I think you'll know what I mean when I say this, it's a small town shithead movie. It's a movie about a bunch of small town shitheads making a bunch of small town shithead decisions. Uh, But it's like mostly about female characters which I okay. feel like I don't often see like small town shithead movies about yeah, like yeah. women care. And so like, I kind of liked that aspect of the movie a lot, actually. <laughs> it's like, it feels like interesting representation where it's like, yeah, they get to be these dumb fucks too, you know? Uh, but it's like, it's about a nurse who is definitely like doing some like backhanded dealings where she is like, see, it seems like she may be providing drugs to like some local drug dealers, you know, like for, like through her working at the hospital. But uh, essentially, like, ends up overnight uh, as, like, an organ trading criminal is also there. And, like, like there overnight. It's, like, this really weird story where, like, she gets ca- caught up in this, like, organ uh, trade crime. Uh, and there's, like, maybe a serial killer also in the hospital overnight while her shift is still going on. And so it's okay. just this weird movie where, like, she gets caught up in this scheme and then has to start making a series of increasingly stupid decisions in order to try and make her way through her shift without getting into any trouble uh, because of this like dumb scheme that she's found herself in the middle of. And it just kind of spirals out of control in really fun, interesting, you know, I would say like Cohen light ways, you know, I'm um, into this. Yeah. I, I just thought it was pretty fun. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And she's actually got a lot of writing credits. Pretty great. I love Angela Bettis. Uh, I've yeah. loved her since May. Um, yes. Man, May is awesome. She She's... also directed a movie that stars Lucky McKee called... Oh, okay. uh, oh shit, what's it called? Here, but I they can... like switched roles in in uh, May to... Uh, oh, man. Uh, is it called Roman? Roman? Yeah. Roman, yes. yes. Yep. Roman. It's like, Logan? Logan? No, Roman. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. This is another one that I have not heard of, and I'm she totally would... into that. We, it's on Hulu. Uh, you can watch it. It is 88 minutes long. Um, nice. Yeah, it's got a good cast. David Arquette's pretty fun in it. Um, I I thought she was really great in it. I just, this was one of those movies that just kind of, again, like kept escalating in really fun ways that I was like, okay, okay, this is fun. This is cool. I am totally into this. Nice. So recommend. Oh, I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah. I have a list here of all these movies that I just haven't heard of. That's the crazy thing about this year, too, is that, like, because of the release thing, there's, like, things that you do and don't hear of, just depending on where, what, which pulse your finger's on at the moment. And, frankly, a lot of this is just screeners that Tori was getting throughout the year through Movie yeah. John. Uh, and, you know, it's like there's so many of us writing for Movie John now that I think things kind of get, like, nicely spread out. And so you end up taking movies that you've not even really heard of, and then they end up being these, like, kind of interesting, like, little movies that I, that I end up liking quite a bit. You, oh, yeah. You know. Uh, right, so number on. five. All right, number five actually just opened in theaters this week. Uh, it's called Zola. 
Oh yeah, okay. I haven't seen this yet. Nola, man, there's another one. It's uh, it, it actually ties to what you're saying, like the small town trash kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. This has a scummy element to it. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't want to be dismissive and say scummy in the literal sense because I don't want to suggest that people who dance for a living are by any means scummy. Yeah, I yeah. think as evidenced by the woman that this movie happened to. Um, who seems to be a pretty savvy, smart person that is, you know, very much not the case. But Zola is based on a tweet storm that uh, went viral under the hashtag the story. Uh And it is a story where she's, you know, met this girl who offered her a chance to dance in the clubs of Tampa. And over 148 tweets, she tells a story about how this weekend went completely off the rails. (laughs) And one of the things I, I like if, you can read the tweet storm online. It's very, very funny. Yeah. It's very dark. But uh, Zola, uh, Asia, Asia King, Asia Wells, there's a lot of names for her. But Zola, as, as understood here, her dancing name, um, her Ted dancing name, <laughs> she's like a very strong self-advocate in terms yeah. of during this tweet storm, you get the sense that no matter how crazy the situation got, she like maintained an air of control mm-hmm. because ain't nobody going to be doing anything to with or around her that she's not going to, that she doesn't tolerate, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, a little bit of that is lost in the movie because you have to turn some drama into it, but plot by plot, beat by beat, it's a pretty solid match. And the filmmaking is phenomenal. Mm. It's shot on film. There's some wild editing choices um, because the, uh, I'm not going to pronounce the director's name, uh properly i don't think it's janisha bravo okay j-a-n-i-c-z-a okay a movie called lemon that i I would like to check out um uh yeah uh, brett gelman stars in that right brett Brett gelman her ex-husband okay um yeah and so janisha bravo is like now on my list of not gonna miss anything she does cool because a lot of her short films are on criterion channel right now there's one Mm -hmm. called gregory go boom that you gotta watch take 15 minutes out of your life and watch it it's fantastic um but perhaps the most striking thing i think about this movie is that there's a lot of sex in it and it's sex Mm. that's shot through the female gaze Mm. and that's not as common and so in a lot of ways it becomes jarring but once you like you know being a guy watching it once you sort of match up with it it's just exciting um Mm -hmm. just some really phenomenal filmmaking michael levy did the score um they did uh under the skin oh okay yeah cool yeah, and it's the same kind of cool yep. thing. Um, it could be Michael Levi. I, I don't really know. Okay. But uh, fantastic composer. The score is phenomenal. It looks great. It's weirdly funny. Yeah. Very yeah. dark. But, like, it's trashy and scummy and, and proudfully so. But not in a, like, John Waters, I'm trying to gross you out way. But in a, like, fuck your judgment. Life is dirty. Yeah, you know, yeah, That kind yeah. of way. And I really appreciated that. Uh, Coleman Domingo is in it. Who's that? Uh, Philly boy. He's in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. He's he's just an actor that uh he came out of our area, but he's a okay. really good actor. Um, he's terrifying in it. He's the pimp. Okay. Uh, Riley Keough is in it. Or right, Keough, right. wherever it is. Uh, our our generation's uh Taryn Manning. <laughs> that, that sounds so dismissive, but like she she uh explodes onto the screen uh-huh. in this character. She is 
just unbelievable. Uh-huh. There's the scene where she then tells her side of the story that's based on a Reddit thread that the real woman that she's based on told her side of the story that's like not as easy to believe and very self-serving. Uh-huh. But um, really the, the runaway performance is Taylor Page, who is the titular Zola. Okay. And she just, it, it's, she's never the most bombastic person on screen because she's air quotes the normal one right right but she's always the most compelling one on screen she makes some very simultaneously large and small choices that uh that are just really and it's like 85 minutes or something it's a real clean in and out movie but um some of the most exciting filmmaking i've seen in a long time and so as an introduction of a new voice at least to me uh in terms of janisha bravo um which listeners, if you know how that's pronounced, please correct me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I, I would like to know. But yeah, it's as an introduction of her filmmaking to me, I, I'm just in love with this this style. And um, yeah, highly recommend. I, it's it's so good. Nice. Zola. I, I am looking forward to this one. I, I feel like I've been seeing a lot of strong uh, reviews for this movie. and I, I, It's I, cool. I think it seems like something I would be into. And like um, when I say funny, it's really fucking funny. <laughs> but it's very dark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I have not read the tweet storm, but uh, somebody like kind of loosely told me some of the stories. So I'm like a little familiar with like really how far down a rabbit hole it goes, you know? Uh, it goes far. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested in that. I'm glad to hear that it's as good as people are saying it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I sat with uh, Josh Alvarez watching it. Shout out to Josh of Cinepunks. Gosh. And we we laughed ourselves stupid. <laughs> it was awesome. It was a good time, yeah. Um. So I think that my number five potentially is going to be on your list or won't be because maybe it was on your list last year and I'm not remembering because I think it is technically a 2020 release. I have Come True, directed by Anthony Scott Burns as my number five. Not, I did see it last year. It was not on my list last year because I had conflicting feelings about some aspects of it. I do too. I'm going to tell In you that right off the bat. The ending that made me go, oh, fuck this, is now yeah. my favorite thing about it. Okay. Uh, I didn't I, put it on my list because I'd like to see it again before I, I make any firm declarations, but that's a good movie. It's a really good movie. Like, it ended up pretty high. On my, I mean, it's number five on my list. Like, And I actually do have very conflicting feelings about the end of this movie um, that maybe we can even talk about without spoiling it necessarily. But before we do that, I, I uh, this is directed by Anthony Scott Burns. He's the guy that did the Father's Day segment of uh, Holidays, which mm-hmm. is like my favorite segment of that movie. Also has a weird ending that doesn't just totally like work with the rest of the great atmosphere of the movie, uh, which I thought was like an interesting parallel that it shares with the, the short. But um, I really loved the like look and feel of this movie and the sound of this movie. Um, I loved the performances yeah. in this movie a lot. I think they're really strong. The What's way the lead actress's name, she's really good. Yeah, uh, Julia Sarah Stone. She was on a um, one of those Quibi shows when I oh, tried okay. the trial of Quibi, uh-huh. and she struck me on this show too. She was very good on it. Yeah, she's got like a she's like a very compelling screen presence. Yeah. Um, and, and this movie is like, I don't know, it it very much feels like, um a sequel to Videodrome in some sense, which is a weird thing to say because it doesn't share any plot elements necessarily, but it is that exact blend of horror and science fiction that I think is kind of so well-defined in Videodrome is here mm-hmm. and, and sort of walks that 
kind of perfect line of like it's a science fiction concept that leads to a horror movie I guess mm-hmm. is kind of how I would describe it. I remember sense? in my, I, I forget which film festival I watched this at, but in my review, I just said like the same way that every genre filmmaker here in America has to pay a debt to John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. I think is Cronenberg for Canadian genre yes, film. Yes, yes. And this very much has that Cronenberg element, whatever you want to call it. Even the the guy that uh, <laughs> runs the facility that this takes place around looks to me like, they couldn't get Cronenberg, so they cast a guy like whoever was next on the looks like sounds like Cronenberg list. You know, yeah. um, this is a really just like strong science fiction movie that has like great nightmare imagery and logic throughout. That was, I think, what I liked the most about it. I do think the ending, the thing that I did, I don't actually dislike the ending. I think the thing I don't like about the ending is just that it feels like that ending could explain any movie that precedes it. Does that make sense? It feels like any movie you were writing that you had no ending for, you could slap that ending onto and it would work. Thumbs up. And so in that way, it feels like a cop-out, even though it's not really, it is clever. You know what I mean? Like it is a clever, interesting ending to this story. I think it could have been introduced in a better way. Yeah, yeah. Because the way that it's introduced gave me that exact feeling, which was... Oh, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. But in hindsight, it occurs to me, and I'm going to try and say this without spoiling. Yeah, yeah. The ending is not what she learns. It's what she does with that information. Okay. And she makes the choice to stay. Interesting. And to stay in a new form. Yeah, yeah. A form that we kind of talked about a little earlier. Yeah. If you will. And so that's what really stuck with me was the idea of here's a person who realizes, oh, no, no, no. What I have discovered here is not, oh, I need to get back to what's what is. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's I can control what currently is. That's very interesting. I didn't even do anything. I didn't really consider that aspect of it. That's That's sort of, and I'd like to see it again before I I say that that's what they're going for. But the more I thought back on it, the more That's that's what occurred to me. And I went, okay, you know what? I like this ending because it doesn't just end there. It ends right. with, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. it's so that, hard not to spoil. That's very interesting. Okay. You know yeah. what I mean? Does that make yeah. sense? I think so. I think it does. And, and now and I know that occurred to me. Again. I was like, yeah. okay, that weird ending might be my favorite thing about this. Yeah, as opposed yeah. to being a thing that I like, I like, I, I was mad when I first saw it. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, now that I think about it, I think that's actually kind of cool. Yeah, and and I I it is a movie where I it's here this high on my list because it is so strong of a movie that it kind of doesn't matter to me that I have issues with the ending. You know, it's like yeah. it's that it's that it's the thing that we always talk about with Lost. It's like the journey is so good. I don't really care whether the ending is actually perfect or not. You know, um, and the journey I'm, here is real good. It's real good, real real good. Um, so I, I like highly recommend this movie. It is on Hulu right now. I think people should watch it. It's called Come True. Um, uh, definitely reminds me of Videodrome, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. And I, I think it was paying much homage to like, just like you said, like that Cronenberg kind of like aesthetic, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I liked this a, a whole hell of a lot. This movie was was kick-ass. And it has like a killer, like poppy house vaporwavy score. That's totally. Just, yep. I listened to quite a bit on Spotify. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed this one. So definitely big recommend for me. Number five. Right on. All right. My number four. 
uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this. Okay. But I was crazy impressed with Zack Snyder's Justice League, baby. <laughs> okay. Oh shit. Oh shit. I'm a dab. I definitely, I definitely knew that this was going to be on your list. I, I didn't think we were going to get out of here without it being on your list. I tend not to put superhero movies on these lists because yeah. I tend to like them. I tend not to have much to say about them because they're just like, they're great entertainment just thrown out there. The reason that I put this on here is because due to a lot of circumstances, got it was left unfinished and you know we got we got the justice league we got which was which was much less than ideal and then due to unideal circumstances the opportunity was provided to Zack Snyder to finish the movie and to his credit he was able to take what was a what was a mixed bag in terms of of attitudes around his movie um, and managed to raise a lot of money for a lot of good causes uh, that spoke to one of the reasons why the, you know, the Justice League shoot was was cut short the way that it was. But it's a truly, massively epic, ambitious, gigantic superhero movie, the likes of which the standard machine that we have that pumps these out is largely incapable of doing. It's an extremely dense mythology that he ties a lot of really strong thematic framework into. It looks gorgeous, which I did not expect considering, you know, just the circumstances under which it was made. And it speaks to a larger cinematic universe that is very big and very weird. And as much as I'd love to see it, it's almost better to exist in the form that it does, which is in my imagination. Because we all know that Zack Snyder, love him or hate him, no matter where you stand on him, he can't breathe without being criticized much harsher than he should be criticized. I'll say it that way. I don't take a side on the pro-anti-Snyder thing because I just don't give a shit. It's dirty. And, and it's, it's gross. Uh, I think from the hardcore pro-Snyder and hardcore anti-Snyder people, it's childish and disgusting. So I just don't like to touch it. So I think that the world he would have built probably would have crumbled anyway as a result of these turbulent forces, which is why the world as it should have been and could have been that he would have built exists so much better in my imagination. But the Snyder Cut rocks, dude. It is, it's unbelievable. It is, it's, man, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding like just like a total douche nozzle. But I guess by using the term douche nozzle, I'm already there. Uh, it's like there's some high art in terms of the way that this movie is put forth. It doesn't feel like a piece of brand management, which is one of the criticisms that he ran into with Batman versus Superman and all that. But it also speaks to a larger plan that was considered in Batman versus Superman. And I've always said that I think time will be somewhat kind to Batman versus Superman just because on account of how weird it is. Um, I think you're definitely right about that. You know, and this movie takes that weird and and validates its usage better than Batman versus Superman did. Yeah. And uh, it, it's just, a, it's a whole, it, it's wild what they accomplished in this movie and how good it looks and how exciting it is and how relatively quickly four and a half hours flies by. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, but 
you look at it and go, this is a four and a half hour epic superhero movie. We don't live in a world where that's something that can really be facilitated uh, in the sense as it was originally put forward. So it kind of makes sense that it all happened the way it did. Once again, I'll reiterate, the world that it speaks to existing after it would have come out is one that I don't want to say we're not ready for. I, I don't know if we'd ever be ready for it. So I just like having it in my head. But I am glad that that a filmmaker I genuinely... Um, adore the ambition of uh really did get a chance to put together this like pretty monumental achievement whatever that means on the sidelines you know i'll, I'll let everyone else have their day with but it, it fucking rocks dude it's real cool. cool yeah yeah uh, it's nuts yeah i mean it's like definitely a cool uh artifact that exists now i think just these stories yeah, exactly. it is like interesting um, I, there Honestly, is... I, I would love to hear your take on it because I think that because like you were much more of a comic book guy when we first you know yeah. became friends there's a lot of stuff that is like very strong comic book material that I think you would enjoy even if you don't end up coming out of the movie as as moved by it as I was yeah I mean I'll put it this way that like I'm not gonna say never about things because I certainly go through like periods with things and stuff oh, yeah. but like there is no way in hell I I have no motivation to watch a four and a half hour comic book oh, movie yeah. right now. I don't want to see any of the comic book movies that are coming out, even yeah. in the, even in the universes I like. I I have I there is nothing that could be further from my interest than a four and a half hour comic, oh. which was the my disinterest in this movie from the get go was literally that was just like you're telling me you made a movie three times as long as the one that yeah. I already hated. <laughs> the longest one. No yeah. interest in that. A lot of the footage from the one that we got is like not there. I, I, I actually, changed, which is great. And it is broken into chapter blocks that you could probably yeah. watch it over the course of a few weeks and not I, really lose much. I assume at some point it's going to get broken up just on HBO probably. as like a four episode, you know, thing. It's, or it's wild. I mean, like, whatever it is. The, the, the final scene, like the big showdown, is no longer just like the dumb running gun that it was. Right. Like, there's it there's literally literally the flash is like trying to run fast enough to reverse time to yeah. undo things to like so they get real deep into that so you know i can understand why anybody on the planet would just be like done yeah. no i barely want to talk about it but this is like the superhero movie i was waiting for for a long time and yeah. and i just i like his style and i think it came through nice yeah, that, I mean, that's cool. And I mean, my, my number four is like literally going to be my version of this, basically. So it's it's well, let's hear it. it let's it, hear yeah. it. Well, it's it's Godzilla versus Kong. It's uh, Adam Wingard's Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, I totally just put this on my list, but I was it was an easy cut because like, of course, it was going to be on your list. Yeah, definitely on my list. Like this is I. Yeah, I guess the one blockbuster I ended up putting on my list uh, uh, because I just like Godzilla. I've become a huge Godzilla fan, as everybody knows. I'm a huge Adam Wingard fan, as everybody knows. And this is a vaporwave Godzilla movie that also features a King Kong that seems to have a psychedelic history inside of the earth and uh, basically acts like an 80s comic book hero or action hero. You know, like there's just everything about this movie is like right up my alley. And it was cheesy and dumb in ways that I kind of anticipated it being. But I, you know, I think the things that work about this movie work very well for for me. You know, uh, this like will this definitely be one of my most rewatched movies in this house once I acquire the uh, the 4K, which I believe is out now. Um, it is out. I almost yeah. bought it the other day because I was actually searching for a copy of what is my number one movie, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton to say about this movie, but it is my version of that where it's just like, 
I I don't know that this movie is for everyone necessarily, but it is definitely for me, and it is one of my favorite versions of this big, weird, dumb genre that I'm like super into for some reason. You know what I mean? When there's a shot in my head that I cannot forget in this movie, right after Godzilla charges the hammer axe thing with his super breath, yeah, and Kong's face is glowing and he has yeah. that bad look of just like ah, oh, it does not get better than that. It's so good. That is why you go to the movies, man. I, my favorite moment of that movie is when Kong's feet leave the ground. Yeah, I guess not. I guess not to say anything further for spoilers, which I kind of already did anyway. But like when his feet leave the ground and the movie just goes like fully psychedelic for like at like 10 silent minutes, you know, I was like, yeah. I am fully into this. This is incredible. Yeah. It kind of reminded me, and this might be a stretch, but by the time the end of this movie reaches full pitch, yeah. it reminded me of like Into the Spider-Verse, that yeah, yeah. final fight scene in that, yep. where it's like almost surreal, but yep. it doesn't matter because you're just in. Yep. Um, and this is one too, where every moment you were like, they were having fun and they were having fun. Like this was probably a really good set to be on. I imagine I'm looking forward to owning this movie because it's got like a Wingard commentary on it. I think it's got Ooh. some deleted scenes. I'm curious to see, like, it definitely feels like a movie that kind of had to be like reshuffled around in its edit and stuff. So I'm like curious, yeah. like what other stuff they put on there that I'll, that we'll be able to maybe like gather some details from, because it's a weird movie and I'm, I'm curious about certain aspects of it. I just love that Wingard's like, He's, he's 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 like royalty. the man yeah, now. He, he can do what he wants. Yeah, he can yeah. do anything. Oh, I, he's the best. He seems to want to make a fucking like Kong sequel. Basically, that seems I'm to be it. what he's like gearing up for. Uh, I'm into my it. impression. I will watch the shit out of that. Yeah, yeah. I I really like this movie. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to owning it and just repeating it on my television over and over again. I I will be buying this one eventually. Yeah. This whole this whole new MonsterVerse arc has really just been a cool thing. I, it is like it's exciting. I think that Americans have gone for it finally. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, it seems yeah, like there was they, not a world where we would be able to say like Godzilla versus Kong and people wouldn't dismiss it. But yeah. apparently we're we're there. We, we we're don't there. dismiss it. Yeah. And I like. I mean, as recently as 1998, we were not into it. I'm not saying that movie was good enough for us to be into it, but we were definitely decidedly not yeah. into it. You know. Uh, and uh, yeah, I I think they've done a really especially like Warner brothers, I think has kind of been a troubled studio for a while recently. And, and this is something they're doing like very successfully, which I don't know, maybe you credit legendary for that. Then I don't know, but um, whatever, as as this is definitely a franchise that they're, they're managing, I think very well. So I like I mean, to think of it as the Kyle Chandler verse. Yes. It's yes. Godzilla versus Kong, Manchester by the sea. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Chandler, who shows up uh, in this movie specifically, as if he doesn't know why he's there either. Yeah. I feel like that's where he delivers like all of his dialogue. Well, he got he got tomorrow's paper today and he's there that's to right. stop. That's right. That's right. He's got um, the early edition. Give me your number three. Let's let's do these tap three. All right. Number three, the empty man. Uh, oh, the dude. empty man is the horror movie of the year right now. Oh it, man. It literally, I think like as of today, I think is like now on maybe HBO or Hulu. Somebody has it now. Ooh. Somebody just got it. So I will be watching this like pretty immediately. Watch it. It's, it's a long one, but um, it's just like a really good, like a uh, studio horror movie. Yes. It is a little bit of a mishmash of certain horror tropes, but the opening like 25 minutes or so is almost its own little miniature horror movie. And it's, 
incredible. Yeah. And it's incredibly scary. The opening, like, 30 minutes, I guess we'll call it, yeah. is it exists in a vacuum. I mean, it, it ties into the movie. It is incredibly scary, like, really genuinely freaky stuff. And the movie takes, uh, we've talked about it on the show before, so I don't need to get too deep, but, like, yeah, yeah. It takes a sort of like teen horror approach at points. It takes sort of a police procedural at points, but it's also this supernatural story involving uh, one of my favorite cryptids, the tulpa. Um, and what they do with the mythology of a tulpa is rather clever. And um, it all leads to like a series of, of cool reveals and plot ideas that, that really work well. Um, JBD James Badge Dale uh-huh. is yep, the um, yep. or is it Dadge Bale? I I never know. He's another Burgess Meredith. Burgess yeah. Meredith. James Jadge Dale's uh-huh. James Dad's Bale. I feel um, like it's Badge Dale. I feel like, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah, names ba- names Dad's Jail uh-huh. and um, names Dad's Jail uh, is you know investigating this this thing, the Empty Man. But I don't, it's just got a really great mythology. I believe it's based on a comic of sorts. Oh, okay. But really solid mythology. It's scary as hell. The imagery's great. A lot of good filmmaking. Um, it could probably be faulted for being a little, a little on the long-winded end. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do think it's ultimately earned. And really, a lot of that length comes from the fact that Act One doesn't start until a half hour in, right, where right. we get these short mythology-building horror film. But it's just—it's really scary. It's a scary-ass movie, and yeah. a lot of like. I guess I would call this studio horror. A lot of studio horror uh, is good and effective and has great imagery or performances or filmmaking, but often aren't scary. And um, this is a genuinely freaky movie. And he's an actor that I really like and I don't think has gotten his due yet and really carries this movie with a plum. Uh, the Empty Man is is just excellent. A really excellent, good horror movie filmmaking. I'm super looking forward to watching this. And I, I just looked it up. It, it is not yet, but it will be on HBO Max this month. Definitely, um, definitely peep that. Everybody who's listening, you can tell how much I want to talk about the details and can't. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So please do to ease the pressure that I have on my shoulders and others like myself and our buddy uh-huh. Jacob have. Um I'm looking forward to watching it. Whenever Jacob hits the group text and is like really into a movie, yes. especially one that I would not necessarily expect him to be into, that's a golden recommendation. Yep, so yep. shout out to Jacob Harrington of Hell yeah. Based on Nothing podcast. When he like really throws down for something, he did it with uh, The Old Man and the Gun. Yep. And he did it with The Empty Man. And both of those movies were ones that I saw and went, you know what? You, you were you were right, sir. So shout out to Jacob yeah. for getting me on the empty man train and uh, a screw off to everyone else in the group text. You still haven't gotten on board. Um, I can't wait. HBO Max coming. Got to get on board. We'd love to have that. Can't wait. The water's cold. <laughs> it's chilly. Hop on in. I'm excited. I like that director a bunch. So I'm like really looking forward to seeing uh, a big, big meaty feature. Wait, who is that director? That he like, made this movie uh, called like AM 1200. Uh, oh yes okay i've heard about that i've not watched it you told me about it yeah yeah really good it's you know it's like an hour long it's like i don't even think it like quite qualifies as a feature but uh is is real good um uh so my number three movie um i don't know that you've had a chance to see this yet probably not um i really 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 fucking enjoyed till death 
the uh, the new Megan Fox movie that everybody is talking I've about not. this week. I really would like to see this. I like I, Megan Fox a lot. I like this movie a hell of a lot. Uh, this is directed by Scott Dale. Uh, it is a script by, let me look here, Jason Carvey. Um, and it is, I wanted to bring up the writer because it's just a really well-written thriller that um, does a very good job of... So, okay, um, you had recommended that, um, what's that Stephen King adaptation that was on Netflix um, about the, oh, Gerald's Game. Uh, yeah, Gerald's game. yeah. This Gerald's is a Gerald's Game premise. This is a Gerald's okay. Game premise. It's a couple oh, I like trying, the title even more now. Couple trying to reignite some things, and so there's a little bit of foreplay involving some handcuffs, and ultimately what we end up with is um, a woman in panic because she's been handcuffed to someone that is incapacitated, right? I'll just kind of I'll leave it at that. I'll, I'll yeah, sort of yeah. leave it there. Um, but what I liked so much about this movie was, and I won't use this as an opportunity to trash Gerald's game one, because it doesn't deserve it, but two, it did, that movie didn't totally work for me. It was mostly because it didn't have what this movie has, which is a great series of escalations where it just kept getting bigger and weirder and stranger and not like in any kind of like totally crazy way, but, it just kept finding ways to be a more interesting movie than I thought it was going to be. Like mm -hmm. what starts is kind of I a imagine Gerald's game. A lot of that, a lot of what's valuable about that story is in the text of the novel. Right. Yes. Because it's like insular. Yeah. So much so that they have Bruce Greenberg, like doing literal soliloquies straight from the yeah. book for like 20 minutes of the runtime. That's like yeah, kind like of my problem. It's not necessarily like plot heavy. Yeah. It's more insular. Yeah. 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 That, that movie, you know, just takes place in that room. This movie gets out of the room and and kind of finds like fun, interesting things to do once she gets out of the room and ways to kind of escalate like how this be could become an even more dangerous and difficult situation. Um, and the thing is, this was kind of my favorite thing about it. Megan Fox still to this day has the reputation that she's this like vacant, hollow kind of beauty queen actress, right? Um, she's so not. She's a really good actress. And she's not. She's a tremendous actress. Um, you know, uh, um, Jennifer's body has totally been reassessed at this point and taken yes. a total 180 turn. Um, that movie's people, terrific. That movie's really good. People like that movie. People like her in it. People have been calling this movie Jennifer's Body 2, not because of any plot reason, but because it features another very strong performance from her where it feels like the movie literally hinges on you coming into it thinking that she is the kind of like vacant beauty queen actress that she, you know, for some reason yeah, yeah. has the reputation of being. She even seems to be portraying that actress for the first like 20 minutes of the movie. The first 20 minutes, I was like, man, is this going to be like kind of lame and like not actually be, you know, I was like, I wanted this to be the strong return for her, you know? And for like the first 20 minutes, I was like, oh, is this not going to be what I wanted it to be? But then it turns out that it almost feels like it knows that you're afraid of that. And she and the movie are playing into that so that then they can catapult into like, way more interesting territory and her getting to like really chew on some great dialogue. Like she's having fun. She's really, really good in this. It gives her a ton to do. And it is just, it has a ball kind of being a really fun script. Like it just, and it's really well directed. Like it's a very tightly constructed story and it's also in its direction and editing very tightly constructed. I liked this movie like a lot. It was like, what a minute. Uh, uh, Scott Dale is the director's name. Okay. And uh, the only other thing Scott Dale directed was called The Coat Maker, uh, which I've not heard of. It is a short film that Scott Dale made a couple years ago. Um, 
So yeah, this is uh, his feature debut, I guess. Um, I, I liked this a hell of a lot, man. It, it's like one of the most fun things I watched this year. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I am totally into this. Highly recommend this one. And I didn't really want to say much more than that because I, I would like for people to, you know, get to have fun along along with the ride of this movie. Yeah, I don't want to uh I don't want to I don't want to read too much about it. I would like yeah. to watch that. It's really fun. And I I think it's either on demand right now or coming to on demand like this week or next week or something. It's like it's just coming out right now. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a new one because I, I only started hearing about it recently. Yeah. I, I had a note to watch it, but then I I never did. Oh, right on. I'm definitely gonna watch that. Am yeah, I number up? two, my man. Number two. Psycho Gorman. Oh That's my, my number two God. movie of the year, too. Oh, yes. Dude, this is the first movie I saw this year. Psycho Gorman is fucking demented. I it's love so it. It's so good. It's Power Rangers meets uh, Guar. Yep. <laughs> meets, like, it's it's so crazy. It's uh, the same, same guy who made uh, The Void. Which uh-huh. is a movie that I know we had sort of a different response to, but I, yeah, I yeah, really yeah. liked that movie. Although I did watch it on a plane, which tends to, you know, change the reception. But it's a very gruesome and gory movie that's yep. very serious. Yep, yep, to yep. see that same level of imaginative gore and puppetry and creature effects applied to what is essentially a goofy comedy yep. is phenomenal. This movie is so funny. It's so bizarre. It's a body horror. Yep. It's action. It's horror. It's comedy. It's it's everything. It's an adventure story. It's yep. like a little boy and his dog movie. It's, it's everything. I don't even really know how to describe this movie to people. I would say, I mean, does this feel right to you? Tonally, it's maybe like it Amblin adjacent. Yeah, it's it's Amblin meets Guar meets Power right. Rangers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> uh, like even even what is their fucking game called? What do they call it? The game, the ball game that they play. I forget. Called Super Ball or something, right? Like yeah, it's like something like Murder Ball, but yeah, I forget e- what it is. Yeah, even that. The movie opens on them playing that, and I feel like the movie. The reason it opens on that scene is because the movie operates on the same logic that children's play operates yeah. on, which is just what are the rules. They're whatever they are right now as I'm saying them to you. Do they need to change in 10 minutes? Sure, maybe. Why don't we? Do they need to change right yeah, now? Okay, yeah. they'll change right now. You know, it, it is a movie that operates on that kind of logic where it's, we are just along for the ride and we can kind of introduce new ideas at will. And that's okay because the universe allows for that. Everything kind of folds in on itself nicely. Um, uh, yeah, but it's all in the service of fun, right? It's it's, it's, it's so much fun. It's play. It's it's all in the service of fun. That's actually the best word for it, I think. It's play. Yeah. Because it's a bunch of people who are really good at makeup effects and creature yep. design are having fun. They're a screenwriter who's who's just wants to make a fun. Like, everything's fun. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing funnier to me than someone walking, the, uh, someone talking the talk, but not walking the walk. Yeah. Especially if they could walk the walk, but, like, they're currently hindered. Yeah, 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 yeah. Psycho Gorman is that he speaks these big, he has these long monologues of like, I am the architect of pain and blood. And it's some of the most hilarious, like white zombie esque heavy metal dialogue. But he has a cowboy hat on because his (laughs) master right now is currently a nine year old girl who, uh, who, who just has eliminated all of his power. So he says, all, he, was the, I am the Archduke of your nightmares. Right, right. And he has all these horrible things like, I will bathe in your blood, but he can't do anything about it. And it's so funny. 
because he is that powerful. He's yep. a purely evil being who knows nothing but destruction. And he is now second in command to uh, an also psychopathic nine-year-old American girl. It's yes. Probably uh, over the nine. But, I would love oh, to so uh, funny. shout that actress out. Uh, Nina Josie Hannah. Nita Josie Hanna, uh, nice. because Mimi is maybe the best character in any movie in 2021, in my opinion. She's so good. She's so good. She She's drunk incredible. with power. And, and her just comedic timing is incredible. Yeah. For a girl, because she's you know like like she's twelve years old maybe nine years old I don't she's like yeah, she's very she's young a kid yeah and her comedic timing is unfucking believable she is so funny in this movie and then the other thing that I thought was so funny about this movie and I don't know if this will ring true with you but uh, I thought the dad was very funny and the mom too like the parents were very funny and the, the dad thing- has my favorite scene in the whole movie yeah when the giant disembodied floating skeleton is giving him directions but he keeps coming back with the and then it screams like and then you'll make a left at the light and he's like and then it stops that is so manic and crazy oh my my god my favorite delivery of his was towards the end he just goes um this tv won't stop bleeding Uh, and poor uh, alistair too oh poor alistair my favorite thing about the parents was i actually don't know that i have really seen millennials depicted as parents in movies yet yeah like they were were, at that age they were me and you they were they acted like me and you act but they are parents of children you know like and and i really i really liked that i i kind of liked that aspect of the movie a lot that it was I, I don't know, moving the trope of parents into a, a, I don't know, just like more current modern sensibility, I think. Um, the Amblin I, kids are all grown up. Right, right, exactly, exactly. We're having Amblin kids of our own. That's right. I I fucking love this. And like, like the creature effects are like really incredible. All the scenes yeah. where they're like at that intergalactic meeting space or whatever <laughs> are like re- full of incredible characters There's and the creatures. There's the brain inside the helmet. Yep, There's that yep. guy. And I like the- when they meet up in the woods to throw down and fight. Yes. And it's just like, oh, it's so good. Yeah. This was such a blast. And like a movie that, again, like for the first few minutes, I was like, what, what is this? Are the wheels going to fall off of this immediately? Like, what am I doing? And then yeah. like real quickly was like, I'm in whatever's going on. I'm, I'm just on board. I'm going for the ride. Let's go. This is one I watched with Jenna and she was like, what is, what is this? And I was yeah. like, I, I don't know. I got to, I got to review it. So like, let's yeah. just watch it. And I did not expect her to stick around and she loved it. Like yeah, yeah. loved it. And I think because she loves stagecraft and yep, there's a yep. lot of like really good stagecraft being used for film here. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's pure imagination. And it's so funny. I, I, cause I had the same thing where I was like psycho gore man. Like, yeah, yeah. this is going to be one of those things that like, you know, it burns through its premise within five minutes, but yep. you respect it. Nope. No. I, I will I will take four more Psycho yes. Gorman movies. Yep. And I say that so that there's at least a Psycho Four Man at some <laughs> point. I, I, and honestly, there's room for it because the universe totally. in this is untold at this point, but speaks to a huge galactic interworld. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so glad this is on your list because we've had no crossover so far. And exact same spot. This was my number two movie. I, I, I like, and and this was I, I will say my number one and my number two were the movies that pretty much all year I've had just as my number one and my number two. Like, yeah, the, the, same. this movie is just so good and so funny. And like, I don't know anybody that's watched it that didn't feel this way. Like yeah, everybody that everybody has seen it. Psycho Gorman loves Psycho Gorman, and I and as a movie that is legitimately 
gross and has yep. lots of like gross creature effects, there's no one I wouldn't recommend it to. It's so yep. much fun and so funny. I think anybody would enjoy it, even in spite of some of the grossness, you know? It has that like the the waiting room in Beetlejuice energy, where right. like there's some seriously fucked up things, but it's so circusy and fun that you're like, hey, yeah, yep, yep. I, also, I really loved this. It brings back a trend of movies that, that we haven't seen in ages, which is the closing credits are an original rap song all, yes. all about Psycho Gorman. Yep, uh, haven't seen that since the Ninja Turtles. That's right. So yeah. welcome back. Well, Dan, I will allow for you to just do your number one movie if you'd like, because that was also my number two. Number one movie has been my number one movie since the day that I watched it. And then after it was over, I watched it again later that day. And then I watched it the next day because I loved it so much. Uh, Nobody. Okay, I thought so. Nobody is why I go to movies entirely. (laughs) That fully, It is. It's just incredibly shot action it's bob odenkirk a man that i have idolized since i was like 13 and loving mr show yeah yeah who is only now becoming like a household name because of breaking bad and better calls better coleslaw (laughs) and uh to see him embrace this and to see him pull it off in a way that is believable that's compelling on a character level uh that's kind of heartwarming in a way Mm-hmm. It's, it's just really nice and it's a very well-directed movie yeah. it's a very funny movie it's dark it's violent it's fucked up um it has a very cynical view of what it means to be an adult man here in america yes it does um, and it it lands in an area that's not necessarily without its own murkiness and i love that i think that's that's where you gotta land um it's got a killer soundtrack it has an amazing performance from uh christopher lloyd Yes. From RZA. Yes. It's got car chases. It's got Home Alone style traps. It's yep. got hyper violence. It has a wonderful family story. And uh, Ken Hanley, friend of the show, uh, yeah. he said something in a comment on one of my posts about Nobody that really stuck with me that kind of says everything. He said, John Wick goes, oh, I can't believe I have to do this again. But, but Hutch Mansell says, ooh. I can't believe I get to do this. Yeah, right. Yeah. And but at the end of the day, a lot of what he has to do, he is bringing on himself. Yeah. There is a cyclical nature to this violence. And without spoiling too much, his ultimate decision to sort of embrace this cycle uh, is, is, is not something that, that I think anyone can ethically get behind, but I think that this movie exists there in a way that, that recognizes that and works with that thematically that allows it to be entertaining in a visceral kick-ass action movie uh, sense, but also exists in this world where you watch Hutch and go, oh, I'm so, I'm so glad that he has figured out what is important to him. It's also a real shame that what is important to him is this. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it, and I don't know. I just think it so beautifully lives in that world. But minus all of that, it's just so much fun. Every second of this movie is, is just pure entertainment. I, I, I loved every moment. I could not add or subtract anything from even a second of this film without harming it in some way. They nailed it. It's a perfect movie. It's why I go to movies, and it is the best movie of 2021, and it is going to take some sort of untold miracle to unseat it by the end of the year. 
It's got all those great needle drops too. Like uh, all the great needle drops. Yeah. It's like, it, yeah, I like this movie a lot. We Tori and I had like so much fun watching this. It's so good. Th- this it's was an so easy weird. cut from. This was an easy cut from my list only because I knew it would be on yours, so we'd get to talk yeah. about it. You know, um, it's just so good. I, yeah. I, I, what it really comes down to, beyond all that gobbledygook I just said, is that I watched it. It ended, and I said, "Oh, this screener that I have expires in 24 <laughs> hours." And I hit play again, and I was like, "I'll just do something while I watch it." And then I, I didn't do something. I just watched it again. Yeah, literally the moment it ended. <laughs> and then the next morning, I was like, "Oh, there's about two hours until this until this expires, and I can't watch it anymore." I'm gonna watch it with breakfast. Yeah, yeah. And then I pressed play, and then I didn't eat breakfast. I watched it, and then I ate breakfast. Uh-huh. And like, it's been a while since a movie has been that cleanly watchable for me. Yeah. And oh, my 4K is in the mail. Hell I yeah! Can't wait to have it so I can watch it four more times as soon as I get it. Oh, yeah, that's great. I, I yeah, it. this movie was super fun, and especially for me, where it was like I did not like this guy's first movie. Uh, this director, I, I like Hardcore Henry. I was like oh, yeah, not into. Henry. It's so um, much cleaner in yes. the way that it looks. I, I really think this is like a huge upgrade, like filmmaking wise. Now, I mean, that movie had like a whole gimmick that it had to kind of like yeah. deal with and blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, I really thought this was like really good. And it's it had a nice surprise a for me. Completely different style. from Because yeah. I liked Tarkar Henry quite a bit, but it's nothing but a gimmick movie. And yeah. nothing about it speaks to whether or not he can orchestrate an action sequence cleanly in a more, right. uh, a more classic style yeah. and nailed it and and huge kudos to bob odenkirk for like really getting the athleticism of this down yo yeah that, that scene on the bus is unbelievable yeah, and like i've i've been hearing him talk about that or somebody talk about that recently where like that's basically because him and the director him and the writer like met a few years ago decided they wanted to do this and so he just spent like basically years kind of training for this as they sort of like put the movie together you know as they like got funding got the script together all that kind of stuff he was it like paid off yeah yeah he's really so good really cool. it. it's, and it's like believable action like even though it's heightened action because that's the world we live in um in this kind of movie yeah excuse me the um it doesn't feel at any point like he's doing something that would be impossible for him you know yeah. at no point yes. do you go like well that's not believable like he he you know, it's like watching an atomic blonde or a John Wick where like he takes his blows, he gets right. hurt, you know, like a punch takes as much out of his fist as it does out of the guy's face. And this movie wears that the whole time. And also the evil Russian guy villain who loves karaoke and murder. Delicious. Yes, absolutely delicious villainy. Really good. And uh, I believe that the director plays like one of the like henchmen because the director oh, is no Russian way. himself. And uh, I, I was listening to something recently where they were talking about, like, I kind of think the reason the Russian bad guys are so good in this movie is because the director is actually Russian. And so, like, yeah. he gets something about, like, I don't know, like, using them as as villains in a movie. Like, you know, there's something that he's in touch with there that, you know, American filmmakers are just going like, yes, the Reds, bad, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like in my old joke about the the sex fantasy where the henchmen were Russian guys with their shirt tucked into their khakis right. but they can kick real high. Right, right. It's yes. it's that without being the the dismissive outsider that I'm being when I do that joke. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's it's kind of interesting that he he does feel like such a, a funny, compelling villain, even though he's like a very standard American stock villain. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like a, it's it's interesting. Yeah. But he yeah, does like his that karaoke, he blows lines, and he, yeah. he kills people just to prove that he can. Yep. Uh, it's so good. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that movie quite a bit. It's fun. It's 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 perfect. <laughs> that was a five-star movie out the gate for me. Like yeah. just as soon as it ended, I was like, you can't change an ounce of that to improve it. it, it there's nothing you can add or subtract. It's <laughs> it's it's clean. Yeah. Uh I I, th- I think I knew this was gonna be your number one. I, I feel, oh, I feel yeah. like that this was the one I was able to like pretty well predict. Um that's great. Um are you ready for my number one? Let's hear your number movie? one. Uh, this has been my number one movie since I saw it. This is Ben Wheatley's In the Earth. I gotta see this still. I yeah. fucking loved this movie, man. Uh, it is. I mean, it's pretty easy to compare this movie to Mandy. It's a similarly kind of like psychedelic head trip movie that feels like a heavy metal album cover just told as a movie. Um, but it also is Tori and I ended up watching a lot of pandemic movies this year, um, movies that were made in the pandemic movies that were about the pandemic. And some of them were okay. A lot of them were pretty bad. Um, this was the best one by like a long shot because it gets to be about the psychological impact of the pandemic without really having to unpack the actual events of the pandemic and the events that like led to it. Yeah. Um, Cause that, that's like boring now. Cause we had to live it. Yeah. So because it's like, it, it, it takes place maybe in our world. It's like not even clear if it's taking place now in the future, in the past, if it's taking place in our world or some like parallel version of our world, but definitely there's some sort of pandemic situation that's going on that has forced us basically like back into nature. Like the movie is about these people that are sort of journeying through the forest. Um, One of them is like a park scout. Uh, I think one of them is maybe like a scientist and they like, they both have like different reasons for needing to kind of like traverse this forest. And it's very clear from the dialogue that like something has happened in the world where they're not really supposed to be out here. There's not really any safety for them out here. But everybody is kind of living just out as opposed to in anymore. Mm-hmm. We've kind of been devastated in some way where everybody's out and no longer in. And we were not really prepared to go back outside. That's like actually kind of what the movie is about. That like we are forced to return to nature, but we are not really prepared as a species to do that. We're so soft. Yeah. And so nature is able to kind of, you know, revolt against us even further. You know what I mean? Uh, I really felt like this kind of got at like something about the psychological torture of having to be isolated inside only to then be like released back out into nature. There was something about, I don't even know how to explain what I'm saying. I just felt like this movie like really got at something interesting about the pandemic without actually having to like recount everything about the pandemic. And I really appreciated that. I think especially this year that makes it like quote unquote, the movie of the year, you know? Um, But I also just, it actually works as like a really good, interesting, weird psychedelic horror movie on its own anyway, you know? I love Ben Wheatley. This has been on my list since it came out. It, it hasn't been made available to me yet. Yeah. But um, I can't wait to watch this. It looks so crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty wild. And uh, it's got, um, oh, what's this actor's name? Oh, Reese Shearsmith, who's like been in a couple of his movies. Um, he, he was also in High Rise. He was in A Field in England. 
um, he's really good in this movie. He plays like one of the the three main characters and is uh, really, oh yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, uh, just a really interesting kind of funny, weird performance from him. Uh, very just really like this movie and have not stopped thinking about this movie. Oh, well, and it's uh, written by Ben Wheatley too. It's it's not a uh, Amy Jump. I believe that this movie was kind of like he was maybe going to make a movie. The pandemic happened and he couldn't. So he had to then figure out how to make a movie in the pit. Like the movie literally was made in the pandemic and was made socially distanced. Literally in the scenes, the characters are either wearing masks together or are like very far apart from each other Uh, because because the movie was made in a pandemic and socially distanced. And so that is in the text of the movie. As you know what I mean, like that they, yeah, they ended up writing that into the out COVID nineteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yep. I can yep. appreciate that because I, I, I would love to just never hear the word coronavirus ever again. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Um. So yeah, I, I, I cannot recommend this enough. I don't know that it's necessarily for everybody, but it's very much my kind of thing, and I think definitely you will like it. As yeah, a, as a Ben Wheatley is like yeah. unbelievably talented. Uh, yeah, he's never made a movie that I didn't, at the very least, like very, very much. Yeah, I, and I usually love. I think you'll definitely dig this. I'm my, into it. My, my I definitely one watch it. so far. When it, is that even available yet? You know what? It's not. I was like, just looking like at that. Gonna, like blind buy. I was just looking at that. I, you can rent it on YouTube, apparently. But oh, okay. Uh, I actually have absolutely no problem doing that. I have yeah. been making plenty of. Uh, oh yeah, it's seven bucks to rent on Apple TV, and I can yeah, do there it you on go. My TV. There you go. Nice. Oh, right on. Yeah, I have actually gotten quite into the. Uh, into the world of just like doing a single rental stream yeah me too yep especially for like stuff that it's like i i, I would like i don't want movies to die i want to i want to i want people to keep making movies so i want to pay them to do it yeah okay i don't know if i lost you there for some no sorry I, no. Oh, no. that was just my like distracted response i apologize oh, no. it's all good i was just i have i have like a running list though because i have a bunch of stuff that that was on your list that i want to you know yeah, dude, no, myself. same here. I know. I want to catch up on some of this stuff. That's, I mean, we pretty much did what, like 19 movies? There was only one movie shared on our yeah. list. And um, um, I have a couple of uh, uh, honorable mentions. Um, you know, uh, George Romero's The Amusement Park was a really just interesting watch that I think people that was probably. A cool should, movie. Yeah, it, it might not be what people are expecting, but I think people should check it out. I think it's just like a very interesting kind of artifact, you know? Definitely drives home the idea that now is the t- time for me to be a vampire yes, because yes. if i continue to age it's not something i want to be locked into yep so once again listeners if you have any sort of forward motion on that hook it up and uh my only other um uh, uh honorable mention is uh f9 because i did quite like yeah. f9 not, not enough to put it on my list but i liked f9 quite a bit yeah it's uh it's not my favorite of the series but it's uh it definitely knows what it is and 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 knows it hard and it's- the scene where Baby Dom and Baby Jacob race so good to that Prodigy remix with yep. RZA rapping over it, that's probably my favorite scene in the entire franchise. It's really good. And it has none of the actors of the franchise yes, in it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that are... scene is great. Like, there's a lot of, like, sleek filmmaking hidden under all the explosiveness. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Dom's uh, water dream and stuff. Like, all that stuff yeah, I think yeah. is, like, pretty well executed and... and uh you know, feels like it's got that sort of romanticism that Justin Lin uh, brought to the, this universe. Oh, yeah. and so it definitely feels like a return to form. It, it is not my favorite of the franchise, but it certainly feels like a return to form, which is great. Agreed. Um, I'll throw out uh, 
there was a let's see i mean i loved another round i just oh was sort i haven't of a seen last that yet actually movie. watch that yeah that I movie's like, like it's kind of an important one yeah um i really liked this found footage movie called profile that I don't is even like know a found one. footage movie on a computer screen. It's a screen life movie, as they call it. And it's a reporter trying to go as far as she can undercover into being recruited by ISIS. Oh, whoa. Without, you know, and yeah, it's pretty nuts. Um, it's the it's Timur Bekmenetov, whatever that guy's name is. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, right. That's like his whole thing now, right? He has like literally like a screen life yeah, studio. A lot or of screen life stuff. Yeah. Well, this one's really good. Uh, the Alexander Aha movie Oxygen that's on Netflix, a single location of, of you know buried sort of thriller was pretty yeah. good. Yeah, and um, yeah, In the Heights is great. I love. I it. haven't seen that yet. Yeah, it's definitely worth watching. Um, I also really enjoyed Saint Maud, and I really enjoyed this thriller called Hunter Hunter. Oh yeah, um, Hunter Hunter. I've heard a lot about. Pretty metal pretty metal i don't want to say too much about it but then i'll throw this out there too if y'all are into the world of uh aliens and space as america seems to be right now there is a documentary about the photographing of a black hole called black holes the edge of all we know that um, i reviewed for movie john and it's just it's a really fascinating look at like a bunch of brilliant nerds that managed to do something that we thought quite literally was impossible which is photographing a black hole and it's really fascinating and then uh documentaries about ufos and aliens as a rule tend to blow <laughs> they tend to blow because usually the people who make them are fucking maniacs or whatever but there's <laughs> this one called the the phenomenon which is sort of like a, a beginner's guide to the most compelling ufo or alien cases okay and whether you are into that stuff or not it actually is just like a really fun watch like it harkens back to you know like the unsolved mysteries days of childhood but um you know, it takes itself pretty seriously and it does not make any like super bold claims or act like, oh, the government's outside. You know, it's like none of that kind of shit. It's just like, oh, this is a really compelling case. Let's talk to the people about it. And I, don't know, I really enjoyed it because I, I may be scully, but in my heart, I am a molder. <laughs> and then the only other one I have is Slacks, the Killer Jeans movie. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing this. I regret not <laughs> it's watching pretty, it. It's pretty cool. Slacks is good and, and uh, really great puppetry. Cool, cool. Very good. Well, those are our best movie movies of 2021 thus far. Thus far. Thanks, everybody. Gave it my big radio voice there. Um, yeah. That was fun. Um, we are going to do Face Off next week. We're going to close that freaking Face Off loop. Face Off. Face Off loop. Uh, it's our yeah. 200th episode. If you'll remember our previous episode on Face Off, it's only about 15 minutes long because we recorded it. It was a wonderful episode. And then a technical issue uh, caused us it. to immediately lose the episode. So we did a panicked recap. Yeah. So it's been enough time that we're going to give it another go and we're going to dive into it deeply. So uh, uh, thank you for listening to us for 200 episodes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the newcomers. So uh, hopefully this is a. Uh, You'll stick around for 200 more, but uh, face off is how we are going to celebrate it. Uh, yeah. We are going to close the chapter on John Woo's action masterpiece that rocks face. I, I can't wait. And it feels like a good time to do it, right? Like there's talk of a face off too now with Adam Wingard and stuff. Wingard. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, pretty, pretty excited about that. Tori was like, oh, I want to watch that one with you. I was like, hell yeah, you do. It's face off. Right on. Right on. Face off rocks. And so, yeah, we're going to get into that. So peep that and come back yeah. to us next week. Um, apologies for the lapse on the YouTube. 
Oh yeah. Uh, there, uh, the YouTube will be reinstated shortly. I will have some details on that in the near future. So just stay tuned. Uh, check. Uh, just stay tuned into uh, at Movie Movie Cast on Twitter and um, on uh, well, not Instagram yet. That's being built. Uh, so yeah, just stay tuned to at Movie Movie Cast, and uh, you know you know where to find us. So. Uh, that will have all of the information as further developments uh, Heck on yeah. that. So um, uh, you can find me at Dan Scully on all of the things. Um, I recently finally launched a portfolio website of all of my work. It'll link you to Movie John. It'll link you to Findy. It'll link you to Movie Movie. Um, I also will be posting pieces there that don't otherwise have a home because I write too damn much and I don't always have a place to put it. And you can find all of that at scullyvision.com. Um, also, if you know anything about building websites, please help me because <laughs> it was very difficult to do and I am remedial when it comes to that. But I think I did a pretty bang up job and a uh, shout out to friend of the show, Steve, uh, for throwing together the logo for me. I was just uh, so, gonna uh, compliment you, man, because it does look really good. I, I took a look oh, at it yesterday. You. Yeah, it looks thank great. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah, so you will see links to everything there. Um, um, yeah, and so and as always, uh, moviejohn.com and findy.com. But uh, you know, you can find the links there as well. Yeah, um, check out my other podcast, Killer Bees. It's a Killer BS podcast everywhere on the internet. Um, we just put out an episode on who did we do recently? We did Peter Weller, Peter Weller. Uh, and uh, we just released one on Jennifer Jason Lee, um, which was a ton of fun. Um, so check us out and uh, follow me everywhere at Philadelphia. That's with an F. Follow my letterboxed page where I am reviewing things like Batman Forever. Mm. Did <laughs> you know Jennifer Jason Lee is doing the audiobook of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Ooh, that's kind of awesome. Love yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, there was an interview with Tarantino where he said that. I was like, fuck, I'm going to have to buy that too, aren't I? Because she has the prettiest voice. I love it. It's the audiobook of his novelization. Yes, which okay, I'm cool. a, I'm about 150 pages into. Yeah. It's a delight. It's yeah, real, it's real cool. I have heard it's uh, delicious. It's delicious. Yeah. Very tasty. Yeah, very good. Very good. Uh, you want to get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. I got some groceries to get. Heck yeah. My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because we, we like, like to, to movie. movie.